Hello, hello, and welcome to the Dad Lab Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Andrew. On today's episode, we have stories about Catholic three-ways, space junk, loose beavers, and a trip to P.P. Creek in the news desk. In our Mount Rushmore segment, we discuss our favorite albums from high school. We're back with another Pick Your Poison segment, and we're also changing it up with our movie-watching review with the 1996 Wes Craven classic, Scream. We've got all that and more on this episode of the Dad Lab Podcast. And if you could do us a favor and please rate and review us uh, on iTunes and Apple Podcast, um, it makes a big difference in uh, everybody that's done it so far. Um, while we're trying to get this thing to grow and get it off the ground, we really appreciate it. And you can follow us on social media at the Dad Lab Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also email us at thedadlabpod at gmail.com with any comments or questions you might have. So, what's up, man? Just a good Sunday. Recording on a Sunday for the first time, and it's been like the perfect Sunday. Yeah. A little disclaimer. Life got in the way this week. Um, we were supposed to record on Thursday. Uh, we had some. I had some things come up, um, and we had to push it to today. So I'm going to get this out as quick as I can, but it is a few days late. Um, so the Cowboys stuff will kind of be maybe irrelevant uh, by the time some of you listen, but we apologize um like i said life got in the way this week so we just had to make some adjustments um so please bear with us um but yeah man uh speaking of that the reason why everything got pushed back is because my little brother got married yesterday we were supposed to record on thursday i had family coming in town we had to help out with the wedding and just it got from thursday until this morning i was going nonstop. so but we got him hitched he's married it was a beautiful ceremony had to give a speech. I was the best man. I nailed it. <laughs> Once somebody said it was like their top two speech, wedding speech they ever heard. So killed it. Uh, but no, it was it was a good day. Um, you know, bringing two families together. It was really good food. There was a lot of dancing, open bar. So it was all good. Sounds like a good wedding, man. It better, was fun. Sounds better than my wedding, to be honest. I liked my wedding. It was low key. Convention yeah. center. <laughs> in and out. And now that I'm married, I've been married six years. I'm like, you know what? I tell everybody, just save the money. Yeah, absolutely. put it in the bank account. That's, yeah, and go that's to the what JP, I everybody. Or go to the JP and then spend half that money and just throw a kick-ass party. Yep. Bring everybody together. Yeah, money we saved either went towards like buying a house eventually or the honeymoon fund. You know. Yeah. I'd rather spend it on a badass week vacation or on a house that you're going to live in for years than just one day. And Claire was never like that way. She was never bridezilla. She never wanted a big fancy wedding. You know, we had like less than a hundred people there. I had like a handful of friends. She had a handful of friends. We didn't even have open bar because we were like, you know, if you want to drink, you can drink in the parking lot, which we did. We 
Had a bottle of whiskey parking in the lot parking whiskey, lot. Yeah, yes. we had a bottle of whiskey in the parking lot. I got in trouble, too, drinking too much when we are supposed to be taking pictures afterwards. Yeah. So I was hanging with my boys, you know. Yeah. We had some friends there. We had stuff going around. We had a bottle. And then he's like, Where, where's Andrew? Like, Claire's looking for him. She's pissed. So. No, we had a pretty low-key wedding. I mean, we had a nice venue. Um, it was not on the scale of, like, a lot of weddings. I'm not talking, like, tens of thousands of dollars. It was probably... We spent probably ten thousand dollars, less than ten thousand dollars, and and any. But if you can get away a good wedding for ten under ten grand, yeah, and it was fine, good. you know. And we ended up, uh, we ended up closing down the bar. Like we drank all the alcohol, and that's saying something because we had less than a hundred people as well. But between my family, her family, all our degenerate friends, yeah, the friends, yeah, like absolutely. we. And then apparently, you got wild um, after the after party. Apparently, is still legendary. Me and Lauren took off to Galveston because we were going on a cruise, so we we didn't party after we we got in a car and hit forty five. Yeah. But uh, no, they ended up at and a lot of you won't know where this place is, but they ended up at Rocket Cafe because it was like right there behind it, oh, man. and they With shut the that they shut that place. That's a lot down. To, to shut down Rocket. That place gets rowdy. It's like a biker bar, and well, it is now. Yeah. yeah. I and mean, it was a little bit back then, but uh, yeah, we still hear stories from it today. But uh, it, yeah, it was a good weekend. Um. Real hectic, but I got to see family that I don't get to see often. My sister was in town with her baby. So it was just, it was a really, really good weekend. And sorry, you know, that kind of screwed the schedule up, but I didn't know. It's, no, it's a pretty important reason, though. Yeah. I didn't get married. It's a big deal. And while we're talking schedules and, and all that, um, we are going to record on Wednesday. So we, a lot of it, so we'll get two. You'll get two episodes this week, and Wednesday will be a Halloween special. Yeah, October blowout. Yeah, it, it should be out Thursday or Friday. It just depends on how long it takes me to edit. Um, we'll still probably preview Cowboys, though. I'd imagine. It's yeah, like, yeah, it's, we'll fit some Cowboys in. there. But it'll be end. like you know, pick your poison theme might be Halloween themed or our Mount Rushmore. We can do. It's got to be Halloween themed for that. Yeah, and we may have a couple. It may be a double Mount Rushmore yeah, episode. There, we thought of a few, so it's going to be hard to narrow it down. So I'd be down to do two. Yeah, we'll do. We'll figure it out. We'll start planning. You know, tonight or in the next couple of days, and we'll get one fleshed out, and we'll record on Wednesday. Um, and it should be a Wednesday recording from here on out. Like our schedule should be pretty yeah, set. For foreseeable, yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, anything else going on of note? Yeah, I'll give an update. They found my dad's camper that was stolen from the mm-hmm. lot. It was found gutted and on fire in Wilmer, which I'm <laughs> guessing is was the 55 connection or the 45 highway yeah. connection. They probably yeah. went straight there. And my dad was like, you know, apparently all they wanted was like, he has like a 22 inch TV, a stereo, like basic electronics. Let's say, what are they going to pull out of there? Maybe copper? Yeah, I like, don't know. I don't think there's copper in there, man. It was, yeah, it was just I, shitty electronics. My dad was like, take it but why did you set it on fire you know he's just so bummed out about it and they he found out about that the day before his birthday that they found it and it was on fire so just wanted to give everybody a heads up you know don't steal people's property like that that's not cool and did definitely he no end up having insurance on it or no he did but the deductible is so high you know he's gonna like it's not worth it and the only place the, the place where he stored it at they're like oh yeah we'll refund you the money that you'll no longer need coverage because you had to pay a year up front He's, I don't know, he's talked to a lawyer and all this, but I think he's like, it's just such a headache. And he's talking about maybe getting a new one and financing it, like buying a used yeah. one and financing yeah, it. Because, yeah. you know, it's still a quality one, but he, he, the worst part is, you know, he put all that work into it and never got to use it. So that's why I feel bad. So I was like, yeah, just go get one and we'll take it out like the first week, you know. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's just don't steal. That's yeah. not cool. People can suck. People, People can and do suck at. 
well, I'm, this is getting dirty, but people are not cool lots of times. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to step into something, but yeah, don't be an asshole and steal. All right. So with that, let's move into the news desk. And I think you've got our first story. I got the first story. Louisiana Catholic priest is arrested for recording himself having a threesome with two dominatrices on church altar. This is a Louisiana priest was arrested last month for allegedly recording himself having sex with. Okay, I just read that whole. Just read the title. Uh, according to NOLA.com, authorities identified the priest as Reverend Travis Clark and the women as adult film actresses Mindy Dixon, 41, and a 23-year-old Melissa Chang. The Catholic priest was reportedly caught in the act on September 30th by a passerby <laughs> who noticed the lights in the Saints Peter and Roman Catholic Church were on after hours. That's when the witness looked inside the church and saw Clark allegedly having sex with the women. The witness said the women were dressed in corsets, wearing high-heeled boots. Uh, according to the news site, stage lighting, sex toys, and a cell phone on a tripod were also said to be on the street, on the stage. The witness uh, who reported the incident to the police said Clark appeared to be recording the act. Both both women reported reportedly told officers who arrived at the scene that they were filming a role play with Clark. All three were arrested on obscenity charges because they were in the view of the public. According to NOLA.com, Dixon had also posted about the sex act on social media the day before it occurred. The site reports that Dixon said he she was traveling to the New Orleans area to defile a house of God with another dominatrix. According or, uh, Following the arrest, Clark, who was ordained in 2013, was suspended from the Archdiocese. Archdiocese yeah. Church That's law... Crazy. <laughs> Church law uh, says that when sacred places are violated, they must be repaired by uh, penitential rite before they can be used again. After the incident, Gregory Armand, the Archbishop of the New Orleans Archdiocese, visited the church to perform a ritual to restore the sanct- uh, sanctity. I can't say that word. Sanctity of the altar which is the most sacred of church spaces. I figured after something like that, they would just have to burn it down. Because there's no way you're getting oh. stains and smells. Ugh. Not those. Not from those two. No. And I'm going to I'm going to post pictures of these three. Uh, yeah, try to our, guess which one's 41 and which one's 23 and let us know. And good luck. And this, yeah. this guy, I would not hire him to sort my mail, much less... Hey, man. Uh, oh, I didn't even get... <laughs> Burn. Uh, I didn't even mean to do that. I don't want him working with me either. I wouldn't hire him to cut my grass, much less be a freaking <laughs> priest. But it is a step up for the Catholics. At least they're moving on from boys. Yeah. And they're stepping up to dominate... Dominatri. Dominatrice. Yeah. Of age, willing uh, consensual adult it is a step up for the Catholic Church. So I guess they're not like, I don't think this thing is going to end up on browsers because like they're doing it on a cell phone. Like there's yeah, low production. Is... Qu- but that's what I don't get. They had lights. They had stage lighting, but you're going to film. They probably had some sacred candles they lit. You don't have like a GoPro. <laughs> you got to go like with your iPhone or something. Hey man, this guy's into it. He came prepared though. He got a tripod. I bet there was just like a line of like dildos, just like all different sizes and colors lining the wall. That's how I picture it. You know, they probably replaced the the Purex squirt bottles with like lube, so he just had there just pumping it. Yeah, just I don't know, man. This this is gonna find its way. The internet's a dark and 
twisted place. So somewhere you can find this video. Well, oh, but yeah, good for good for the Catholics. Another another gold star for them on their sexual record. Um, that takes us to our second story. Um, in the headline reads, "Quote unquote asteroid entering Earth's orbit may actually be a 1966 NASA rocket." And it reads, the jig may be up for an asteroid that's expected to get nabbed by Earth's gravi gravity and become a mini-moon next month. Instead of a cosmic rock, the newly discovered object appears to be an old rocket from a failed moon landing mission 54 years ago. That's finally making its way back home, according to NASA's leading asteroid expert. Observations should help nail its identity. And I'm so thankful that it's this, because... Nothing would be more more 2020 than, hey, guys, guess what? I know we have a global pandemic. All this stuff's going on, but guess what? There's an asteroid coming for us. So I'm glad it's just an old rocket. Yeah, thank God. That was a serious concern of mine growing up. Like when like uh, Armageddon came out, Deep Impact. There was a period of time where those movies were really popular, and I was young enough, like 10 or 11, to think like, that's how it's going to end, man. Like, I was convinced an asteroid's going to hit us. And those movies always kind of hit, like, in pairs. Yeah, because it's like, like Dante, it's like rival uh, production. Because there's, like, Dante's Peak, and then what was the other one? With Tommy Lee Jones? Yeah, and then something I think it's just called Volcano. Something, and then there was, like, the, uh, what was it, The Day After Tomorrow? Yeah, all these, yeah. And then there was another one. Yeah. Came was, out with that, like, rival that so one. So there's always two of these yeah. kind of natural disaster, like, whatever movies that it seemed like came out like but you know I'm back to back you, man, i was convinced i was terrified of asteroids growing up and they still scare me because there's nothing you could do about it but i know the odds are low and they can predict them out so far away but boy i didn't think i was going to be able to see like 12 because asteroids <laughs> can take me out well <laughs> my big thing was y2k yeah that they, too remember that like I for was, some reason i thought y2k meant aliens were coming like i didn't comprehend the idea of like technology resetting and that bringing the collapse of civilization i thought aliens were coming down at midnight that was my big fear dude i remember i remember my parents having to convince me like aliens are not coming on december 31st 1999 and i i'm pretty sure i slept in my parents bed that night and i would have been 12 i was at a <laughs> i was at a church lock-in oh, I, I remember those, those dude, overnights. i was trying i was doing trying to do ungodly things to a girl. Because that's remember. it, man. Because I be thought, it. like, hey, this you gotta is it. got to get the stinky finger once. I, th I thought this was it. This is going to be my... Man, uh, you had priorities set. I was, I was... Think how different that is. You're trying to, like, get some, and I'm, like, curled up with my parents and Yeah, bed. I don't know what I would have done with it once I got it, but I was trying to get there. What Spoiler alert. Oh, you would have figured it out. Spoiler alert. It didn't. I didn't get there. Um, but the, the uh, article continues... Quote, I'm pretty jazzed about this, Paul Chodas told the Associated Press. It's been a hobby of mine to find one of these and draw such a link, and I've been doing it for decades now. Chodas uh, speculates that the asteroid 2020SO, as it is formally known, is actually the Centaur upper rocket stage that successfully propelled NASA's Surveyor 2 lander to the moon in 1966 before it was discarded. The lander ended up crashing into the moon after one of its thrusters failed to ignite on the way there. The rocket, meanwhile, swept past the moon and into orbit around the sun as intended junk, never to be seen again until perhaps now. Uh, quote, the object has to have very special orbit around the sun for such a capture uh, to occur, he said. It has happened a couple times for before for natural objects that we know of and only once uh, before for an old rocket stage. Um, a telescope in Hawaii last month discovered the mystery object heading our way while doing search. Uh, a search intended to pr protect our planet from uh, doomsday rocks. 
There you go. Yeah. The object promptly was added to the International Astronomical Union's Minor Planet Center's tally of asteroids and comets found in our solar system just 5,000 shy of the 1 million mark. Good Lord. That's a lot of asteroids. The object is estimated to be roughly 26 feet based on its brightness. That's in the ballpark of the old Centaur, which would be less than 32 feet long, including its engine nozzle and 10 feet in diameter. Um... So yeah, let that thing hit somewhere yeah, we need coming to, we at a million like miles the, an hour. Well, we need like the lasers from Earth. Like, is that something from total sci-fi that I made up, where you can like shoot that fucker and like disintegrate it? It's like Austin Powers. Like, yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Or um, um, Attack from what was that movie called? Like Attack, Attack from Mars. Attack from Mars. That's yeah. a, that'd be that's a good. Yeah. We should review that one. Yeah, we'll I would write totally it down. That. We'll write that down. All right. We'll uh, do so yeah, it seems like we've dodged a bullet there. God, as long as we can just dodge an asteroid bullet, that like you said, that's the most 2020 thing. And right, we we ain't got time for that. No, murder hornets. We dodged that. And then I was listening on the radio today. Apparently, COVID numbers are coming back up in Dallas oh, County, yeah. but I don't know, man. I don't know what to believe anymore. I haven't for a while with that stuff. Hmm. So that takes us to our next story. You got? You I got, got this one. one. Okay, this one right. about a man who cycles more than twenty five hundred miles from Poo Poo Point, Washington, to Pee Pee Creek, Ohio. <laughs> this is. I just couldn't help it when I was no, searching stories. Like the twelve year old boy was me. In me was like Poo Poo Pee Pee. What do you think this guy thought? This guy was like so determined he was going to ride. 2,500 miles. <laughs> so he really loved it. But he did it for a cause, and, and you'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. But uh, while many people enjoy lowbrow humor, like Matt, not everyone is willing to commit to traveling more than 2,500 miles on a bike for a great poop joke. Meet Twitter user at Ruby Drummer. The exception to the rule, the cycling enthusiast recently chronicled his journey from Poo Poo Point, Washington, to Pee Pee Creek, Ohio. Uh, uh... A trip that took him across nine states and had him cycling exactly 69 miles a day. See, it's not nice. only poo poo and pee pee jokes, but then he cycles in 69 <laughs> you know, he miles he a day. He could have done this 70 miles a day to be done in 34 days, but he wanted those extra Or he could have done like an even, you know, like 100 and be done yeah, cut like Because if four you could go off. 69, you could go up to 70 or 75 now. He knew somewhere in, in Waxhachie, Texas, two guys were going to read this, and we would he appreciate it. He knew what he was doing, yeah, and we, I appreciate he, it. We, we appreciate him. So when he finally arrived at his destination, Ruby Drummer tweeted that he broke down in tears. Bro, I started crying tears of joy, and then started laughing my ass off about crying over PP Creek. <laughs> he wrote in a tweet that racked up more than 700,000 likes and 80,000 retweets. He also noticed that he passed Shart's Road on the way. And when I when I, I <laughs> and I tried to print out the pictures, but they wouldn't they wouldn't print. But he took a picture and put it on his Twitter, and it says Shart's Road <laughs> <laughs> at the intersection. It's so funny. Poo 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 point is a summit and on Western Tiger Mountain in Washington that's got its name from the stream. While got a stream that sounds back when in. When it was a logging area, P.P. Creek in Ohio was named after an American settler who carved his initials P.P. in a tree. The area was later attacked by Native Americans in an attempt to reclaim it from the squatters. Uh, why, uh, why undertake such a juvenile ambition? For one thing, it's funny. But more importantly, Ruby Drummer was hoping, hoping the trip would draw attention to the problems in Yemen, according to, the, to UNICEF. Yemen has become the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, with shortages of food, water, health care uh, as a result of an ongoing civil war. The global COVID-19 panic has only worsened issues. You can donate 
to UNICEF, which is U N I C E F here, and follow Ruby. Jo- oh, why should I said that? It's like well, it's all good. I, yeah, I I'm, just, I'm literally Ron Burgundy just reading it <laughs> off the paper. <laughs> Whatever's there, you're reading. As it. if I'm gonna tell you this link you can click. But uh, yeah, so doing it for a good cause. Good no, joke, but for cool. a good cause. And I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist, dude. <laughs> and I, I saw it on my cell phone, Because they showed the map. Yeah, you know them going yeah. there. And it, I just thought when I saw that the the John Wick, you know, he's a man of sure fucking will and determination. And it blew up on Reddit and and Twitter. But uh, hey, anything to bring a good cause. I mean, civil war, you know, health crisis, global pandemic, and um, all that. You know, fuck all the help they can get. No, it was all good, and I. In, I've got a bonus. I've got a bonus story, and my next story, which that you know, which I'll get to. It's just a very juvenile theme because I'm a little boy sometimes. <laughs> um, but our next story headline reads: Beaver on the loose after New, Me- New Mexico Zoo escape. A New Mexico Zoo is asking the public to keep watch for a beaver that escaped from the facility after only recently being transferred from another zoo. The Spring River Zoo in Roswell said busy. One of a pair of two-year-old beavers who recently arrived from the Pittsburgh Zoo was discovered missing from his enclosure on Sunday. Zookeeper said Busy is believed to have tunneled under multiple fences to make his way out of the zoo. The Roswell Police Department, the city's Animal Services Department, and New Mexico Game and Fish Department have been notified of the escape, officials say. If anyone sees a beaver in the city or surrounding areas, <laughs> it could possibly be the zoo's animal. While the beaver is relatively tame, he does not like to be picked up and should not be chased. You never want to be chasing beavers. Talk about a great opportunity for Halloween costume, too. Like a local kid <laughs> just to dress up as a beaver and like claim, you know? Guys, uh, I read that story to say you, just, you never want to lose beaver. Never want to lose Matt, Matt, Matt read that whole story just to make that joke. God, and I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> He's been waiting to give that joke to you. <laughs> oh, and let me pull up this last kind of bonus story real quick. And it's just real quick. But uh, the headline reads, and there was one part, and I I said this to Andrew the other day. We were texting back and forth, and he said something to me. And I literally, and I know we all write LOL all the time, and literally, and you most of the time don't ever laugh out loud. It's yeah, just, if anything, you, you kind of like breathe through your nose. Like, hmm. Yeah, like that little. Yeah, you think it's which funny. Which is made me laugh. But you, what? And I won't. I won't say what you said. <laughs> okay. But it literally made me laugh out loud. And then when I read a part in this story, it, and I envisioned it. It literally it made me laugh out loud. But the headline reads, and this is from Q Q thirteen Fox dot com. Uh, boy allegedly steals school bus, leads police on street chase before crashing. Uh, it reads, an 11-year-old Louisiana boy was taken into custody, custody by uh, police on Sunday after, after allegedly stealing a school bus and leading officers on a chase, which ended in a crash. Uh, around 11.30 a.m., the bus hit a gas line and then a tree before authorities surrounded it to take the boy away. Uh, police said... Uh, police said the bo- the bus had no no keys in the ignition and only required a push to start button. Um, let's see. Authorities added that the sub- suspect was likely too small to reach the pedals on the floor and was forced to stand while driving. Oh. The child had been seen flipping off the police with his middle finger <laughs> as he drove past them. With the could you imagine? Not only the balls as an eleven year old to get in a bus, which is an intimidating vehicle to drive. Oh, yeah. And then flip the cops the bird as you're driving he past. He's, doing. he's got an uncle he, that gave him a beer once. Somebody some was shit. listening to NWA because he said, <laughs> fuck the police. And I love, too, how it's always, 
11 year old boy allegedly like there's videos of him driving by flipping off the cops (laughs) i think he got the right kid so uh, i saw a picture i guess like you said he crashed it and there's yeah one cop's like handcuffing him the other one's like on his knee talking to him be like son now you can't go you know like trying to talk to him like we don't do that while he's getting handcuffed yeah uh, the boy was later booked into juvenile detention on charges including uh, theft of motor vehicle and aggravated assault. I don't know where the ag- – I guess maybe running through the, the intersection. Yes. Uh, law enforcement said the aggravated assault charge stems from the boy purposely trying to strike a vehicle. Damn. And then there's a tweet attached that says, here's a closer look at the bus. The homeowner said they saw the kid get out of the bus and he looked okay. Still no confirmation on age, which we know now. But the homeowner said the child was very small. But, yeah, he's kind of – the tree, if you, and uh, I, I'll try to post the tweet. Um, I'll try to retweet it on our Twitter. But there's kind of some low hanging, kind of thick branches, and he's just kind of, kind of like wedged underneath one. The back hatch is open, back door is open, but I don't know. Just the optics of a little kid flipping off. Yeah, the and you know, I'm sure growing up, we probably thought we were all edgy at 11, but Not I would have no. never done so. I would have been too scared to even like. I don't know, like edgy at eleven for me. Someone's house would was have been like stealing a Kit Kat from the supermarket. Yeah, like yeah. or thinking about maybe tool papering. I'm not even doing it, but just thinking about it, I'd be like, that's pretty badass of me to think about doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not about to steal a bus. All right, so that takes us to our Mount Rushmore segment. And like I said in the intro, the Mount Rushmore segment this week is all-time favorite high school albums. High now, school jams, yep. we did – I took the rule very literally. Um, I edited it back, but I but go ahead and explain what you're doing. Yeah, do. I took the rule very literally. So I graduated high school in 2004. So anything – any album that was released after that or before 2000, I didn't include it. Like I included like straight up yeah. 2000 to 2004 when I was in high school. And so, I'll just say, for me, I have one that was released in 96 on my honorable mentions. But because I listened to it – so the way I thought about it was – Music that I listened to so much in high school that when I listen to this album, it takes me back to that time. Which but is, then you described it, and I was like, well, fuck, that makes sense, too. Like, we didn't clarify. Yeah. So, but either but way, the, I don't think the, it matters. The ones that I have, because I graduated in 06, so for me it was 2002 to 2006. Yours was 2000, 2004. Yeah. So all mine that made the Mount Rushmore technically are within that range, and I do have one honorable mention because... I just I listen to it all the time. Okay. In high school, but do you want to uh, like uh, go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. You uh, me go. You go. Me go. Uh, no. Well, and again, these are really no order. Like we don't, we never put our order. It's just no. a jumble. It's just a mashup. Yeah, it's just the first so one. First I happened one to write down is Circus Survive, the Juturna album. See, and that didn't qualify for yeah, me, but that, that would that would have been in there. All everyone, everyone that I'm friends with now and I was friends with then love that album. It's the and they've had Circus Survive has had some great albums, but it's quintessential circa. That's like I don't know, that's, that's like it their, for me. That's their masterpiece, man. Like they reached their pinnacle and then everything else they put after was good, but that album was just that that actually if I had to rank that might actually be my number one if we were to rank because that album, me and my buddy Zach like burnt it out. Yeah, I burnt a lot of stuff to that album. Yeah, that's when burning CDs was cool, man. No, I meant like oh, you mean actually something else? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that was like my yeah. Anyway, uh, but no, that would have been on there for me. And then on all these, I don't know if you did it, but I just listed a few of my favorite songs from them. So it was um, holding back someone's hair. And Fear and Faith and The Great Golden Baby would probably be like my yep. top three. So just, you can't but the whole wrong. album, really from beginning to end, is a very solid. They just had a, 
what was it a 15 year release yeah so you know that's that, one of that those shows how good it is they're doing re-releases when anniversary markers come up and like maybe that. you know like we'll let we'll let some time in between like a musical mount rushmore you know happen but i think we, we could do a mount rushmore on like our top four like not no skips albums like yeah we're you just started you started at one and that's a rarity but that's a good one because Jim there Turner's, are albums like that yeah. where i completely agree with you like i can listen to it from beginning to end yeah. and uh and that no, was their debut wasn't that it? was they had an ep but it, they, like their full length yeah, yeah their first full length because that's what that's another topic we talked about uh, was um greatest debut albums and but, i thought but this that, would, this that's could be their album. debut because they had a, it's called the Inu, i think it's called like the inuit sessions but it was like a little five or six track yeah EP. See, i need a full release um but no this great that qualifies album, to yeah. me as a debut album um and it was just it's a great in every way um, yeah yeah and circuit survive and i could put that on right now like when me and claire hang out when it's just us we'll always play play cards play dominoes drink and smoke it it always comes back to playing High school jams. We have a playlist of like hundreds of songs of high school jams, and this one probably aged the finest in my opinion. No, I, I'm right there with you. I can listen. I, I can. I listen put, to, I it, listen to it like twice this week at work. I've got it on vinyl. I need to replace the needle on my record player, but I have it on vinyl. It's one of my most treasured vinyls. I, I have. get that. Yep. Um, now I need to give. Um, I need to give like a little disclosure before I start mine. I was. Um, think like i didn't dress this way but i definitely i was an emo kid like mm-hmm. i emo and like screamo like that kind of shaped kind of like where m- musically kind of where i was and where it was going to take me in the future so you're gonna get a lot of emo online oh yeah so my first I, one I, I, I um that. my first one is uh the used their yep. self-titled album Oh, you got it on I yours? Got it on okay. <laughs> so for me, the use is another one where it's 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 a great debut, man. From first song to the last song, it's just great. Like blue and yellow is probably one of my favorite songs yeah, that's of all time. Actually, um, honestly, when we talked about sharp this, objects, like those it's just two all good. Oh, sorry, but yeah, these two albums, the used and Circus Survive, were two I immediately thought of when we were doing this. No, it, it's just all good, man. It's I love it. Um, there, I had. They had released a DVD with it too. It was like a tour DVD. Tour, I remember that man. It was so cool just watching. Yeah, like Burt McCracken. Like there's a there's a scene like where he's just screaming so hard, like he just vomits on stage, like keeps going. Like it was. I mean, when you're like, in this, and there's a couple other ones, um, and I'll talk about them that like that kind of transitioned me. Um, from like just like kind of emo music to like kind of screamo mm-hmm. like and then into hardcore and then into like metal like that you know that was the kind of progression i took as yeah well. like yeah. so the use was like kind of the first one of the first bands and there were in i mean this list could have been a lot longer and but that was kind of the first band that kind of introduced screaming and screamo music and, and i hate i hate genres and I, I hate how they're so specific nowadays like post hardcore hardcore i just hate all that genre shit but this was i mean it it was just a great album yeah so i'll just, I'll just to it. piggyback off of yours on here and i actually put that on here that it brought screamo to the mainstream because they were like commercialized but still really good you know they were they had their videos on mtv or yeah. whatever and they had a big tour but they were really good and could back it up mm-hmm. um and just listening to that same thing with circus five i could put those album on and it just takes me back to a certain like hanging out at a certain one's house or a certain party with certain people 
And then I just put some of my favorite songs off of there. Maybe Memories, Buried Myself Alive, and Blue and Yellow. Yep, Box Full of Sharp Objects. Yeah, I, again, I listened to all these albums um, this week. And yeah, so they did I. Age so well. So like did I, I. In my opinion, I think we got some good taste here. Um, so, in, in going and piggybacking off of being able to picture where you are, my second one is uh, brand new Deja Intendu. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I saw them play that album live, um, through full, uh, full through, like all the way through, and. The uh, old Gypsy Tea Room yeah. here in here in Dallas, yeah. and I remember it vividly. I remember this album vividly for a couple of reasons. One, I saw a kid that went to high school with me, and he was a prick, and I saw him get punched in the mouth at that show. That's awesome, and so I'll never forget that. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's what you get. Just like that's just like the cherry on top of that because yeah. I'm sure it was an awesome. It was show, a great, great show, night, and yeah. you're like, and that guy got hit in the yeah, face. Jesse Jesse Lacey Live was really good. Um, and then and it's odd because. It's it's kind of crazy the power and if you're not into music you won't get it but like kind of the power of music like, I, think, I think most people are into music well some people aren't maybe not live music is that where you're getting next no but like who doesn't like music I had a I had a friend that brand new reminds me of uh-huh. and I you talked about you remembering like I remember sitting in his driveway and he had an old Honda Civic. And we rolled all his windows down and his sunroof back and we jammed this and he lived out in the country and we turned this album up from front to back and we just kind of laid on his car and just kind of looked up into the sky. That sounds dope. And we just... I would do that right now. Yeah. And we just... in that in in I haven't talked to him in months and maybe years. And when I started listening to this album this week, I picked up my phone mm-hmm. and texted him like, hey man. And I sent him a screenshot of what I was listening to. I was like... Just want to let you know I'm thinking about you, and I always think about jamming this in your driveway, laying on your piece of shit Civic. And we talked. He we talked for we talked for you know an hour or so, texting back and forth, catching up. So it's just like that the attachments and the and the memories uh, memories that you attach to music is very powerful. I think I think this one's a good topic because everyone can be like that. Everyone that likes music in high school is when you listen to the most music and you're most serious about it. So you can remember going to that show or that person's house and and I was going to say, man, didn't everybody have a friend that had a shitty Honda Civic that they would just hang out in? Like <laughs> that was it, that was the vehicle that somebody had. Like a, everyone had a buddy. And I actually ended up one. telling him about the podcast, so I hope he doesn't listen. It wasn't it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't real shitty, but like he had a <laughs> he had a system in his car, and uh, every now and again, like something would happen with the amp. So we'd be like going like down a hill, and he would take he would pop it in neutral, <laughs> take the key out, and it like hand it to one of us because there was always three of us together. And there was a little key hatch in the back, and you could stick the key in and fold the back seat down. And we would have to fiddle with the uh, with the amp to get the system to come back on. And then hopefully we got it the key back to him in time, so he could that's start a dangerous the car. game just to get some music back. So on, he could man. start the car back up. But uh, uh, no, and David, if you're listening, you know I love that Civic. I wish you still had it, buddy. <laughs> um, but no, that's just kind of the power of that of what music can do for people. But yeah, brand, brand new Dejan Tendu. It's another one. You could listen to it back to front, and I I picked this one. I could have picked uh, your your favorite weapon, which is Brandy's first, their debut album. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it is. Something about De- Dejan Tendu is just great it's very very good. I, I asked Claire about hers, and she that would have been on hers. Yeah, she mentioned that. Yeah. So what's what's your third one? Mine is uh, Atmosphere. It's this rapper. I don't know a lot of people I haven't heard of him. Atmosphere from uh, Minnesota. Uh, he's been putting shit out for like almost 20 years now too but this one uh, this album's called You Can't Imagine How Much Fun We're Having and it's just a really good album from front to 
beginning to end, I fact I like the second half even better. But this one specifically because I remember work I worked at the brickyard in Ferris. Did you really? Of course, yeah, I did for like it was the only job I've ever gotten fired from too. And I got well, I kind of got fired. They cut they quit putting me on the schedule because mm-hmm. I had to get there at like five o'clock in the morning. You would load up a bunch of cars because I was just a cart guy or whatever, you know, like get tips for that. Load them all up, bring them all out, and then people would get there six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, and then they would be gone for like four hours. You know, they wouldn't have shit to do. Um, I read a bunch of books. I remember reading over like 1984, Animal Farm, Godfather. I read all these books there, which was cool because it was only like in a few months span. But then other mornings, I'd be so sleepy, man. I went and take a nap in my truck and got busted by the old marshal there once and... 87 year old asshole like reported me and ended up getting fired. It's the only job I ever got fired from. And Get him out job. of here. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, this shows, shows you how old we're getting because I distinctly remember putting this CD in my Walkman mm-hmm. and driving around because I didn't, I never had an iPad, putting it in my Walkman. And um, when you would drive the um, driving range, you'd have that cart, you know, with the cage and the, it's, it vacuums up all the balls. And I would just put in this album. And drive around for like a solid hour, picking up all the balls, people trying to hit me and stuff, and just takes me back like to that specific yep. spot. And I that that came out uh, our senior year because I was working there, senior year, and I, that was probably my number one album of senior year. So atmosphere. Since then, he's put out like seven more albums. He puts out shit all the time, and he's really good album. Um, favorite songs: Pour Me Another because he's he talks a lot about personal stuff. It's not all just about monies and rims and stuff or whatever. Pour me another's about his addiction to alcohol. Smart went crazy that night. Oh, that sounds like I'm doing one big sentence. Song's called Pour Me Another. Another song's called Smart Went Crazy. Another song called That Night, which is really sad because it's about a like a 16 year old girl that came to one of his shows, like in Albuquerque, and got raped and killed Damn. at the venue, and he's just singing about that. And um, and then the, the last song I mentioned is a song called Little Man, and it's real sweet. He talks to his son. Sings personally to his son, his dad, and like his best friend, and it just talks about like you know how those people impacted his life for good or bad. So really good album. I would just suggest at least those few songs if you wanted to check them out and go from there. For sure. Um, my third is Taking Back Sunday. Yep. Uh, tell all your friends. Man, you were really into some emo screaming, dude. And you know <laughs> these are like textbook like yeah. Uh, but you know what? I could. I completely get to do that album that came out. So that, that would have been a little earlier because I was in junior high. So that was when it was blowing up for me. It was like in junior high and everyone had that, or at least a copy of it. It was, um, 2000? See, 2002, 2002. Yeah, it was 2002, but there's, you know, cute without the E, um, bike scene, ghost man on third Timberwolves in New Jersey. It's, it's just, it's another great it, from beginning to end album. Yeah. You could play it beginning to end. Um, I never got to see Taken Back. Um, those tickets, they kind of blew up, and those tickets got really expensive. Oh, for their 20-year? They just did a, they did a 20-year. Um... I take that back. I did see them at, of all places, Edge Fest. Man. I saw Taken Back Sunday, 311, and Corn. That's a good lineup, It was man. crazy. It was a crazy night. <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, I don't know. It's just one of those albums that it, it, it's a lot of brand new but vibes for me and i don't know if you remember like there was like a controversy because like the lead singer of 
brand new had a girlfriend or vice versa and the other dude slept with her or something like that. And one of them left the band right before they blew up, right? Yeah. Is that the point you're getting yeah, at that yeah. story? Yeah. Um, so it, it's just along the same lines. Like it was just, that sucks. It, it, it takes, I can listen to a song and know exactly where I was like 15 years ago or whatever, 20 years Shit, ago. Closer to 20. Yeah. Looking at some of these depressing me. Cause I'm like this album, 2002, that's 18 years. This album could vote now. If it was yeah, eligible to, that's you know, right. Buy lottery that's ticket right. for me. Um, but it's just, you know, you're so last summer. Um, I'm going to have to listen to these tomorrow. Me and Claire are going to do some stuff. And it's so We're going to be dude. blessed in high school. It's so good. Um, what's your last one? Last one for me is A Perfect Circle. Oh, me yeah. Me and Zach were really into Perfect Circle after, you know, because Tool, Maynard stopped with Tool for a while and formed this other band, A Perfect Circle. And they were mm-hmm. not maybe not as good as Tool, but they were really fucking solid to me. Um, they were the first major show I ever went to. I remember it was at, um, what's that venue called in Grand Prairies at Verizon? Verizon, yeah. We went to Verizon Theater and saw them with, um, it was a show, they just came a few months ago with Mars Volta, which would have been so fucking cool. We missed that show and they came back with, called like, um, Three Witches or some really cheesy band. But anyways, I just, I remember we got to go to the liquor store before we were spoiled little like 16 year olds and walking in with like schnapps duct taped to our legs walking like <laughs> robots up to the because uh verizon has all those stairs to get up yeah. to it and then finally getting up there and i mean it was like the coolest experience because that was like i said my first major show there was joints getting passed around i'm peeling duct tape off my leg to drink some green apple schnapps like i just had a great time and then uh, we stopped yeah. it i don't know if you could pick the worst schnapps though I, I was 16 man i was just so happy to be there and we stopped at, we this seems like a tradition we started to stopping at um Jack in the Box off Bear Creek. Yeah. After a show we'd always stop there and get some tacos for the night. But um some songs I like, best songs, The Package, Blue, Pet, and Gravity. And just a good album, man. Just reminds me of hanging out with Zach Morning. Is like, that the one with the It's like the white like white face and there's like a little snake going yeah, across her? Yeah, I remember that. I remember thumbing through CDs at Best Buy when you could get CDs at Best Buy. Yeah, that's weird they stopped that. doing that. Uh, well, everything went digital. Yeah, I know. So, I'm just old. I, um, I wish they stopped. I, I still got a cassette player, man. And I tried to explain that to, uh, I forget who I was talking to, but I was, oh, my sister. And I was like, we. I, I went with her. She was going to buy a computer. She wanted me to go with her. And we went, went to Best Buy. And I just kind of looked around. I was like, you know, Best Buy is sad. Like, I remember, like, that was kind of our... Friday night deal, like, because in Red Oak there was nothing to do. No, so we'd drive to Cedar Hill. We'd eat somewhere out there. We'd go to Best Buy. You know, if we got paid that week, we'd buy a CD, and we would just spend an hour or so in Best Buy and in that in that Civic, jamming all this stuff that you know I've mentioned. But I was like, Best Buy used to be a big deal because you went there for everything. For me, it was Hastings in town. Hastings, I spent so much money. I probably dumped. $10,000 $10,000 over the course because when I so got my first I. job, that's all I did. I bought movies, games. I got, I literally have a collection of hundreds of DVDs, hundreds of books that I just won't ever be able to get through. Nope. But um, honorable mentions, we can just bust through them real quick. I, I, I actually have my last one. Oh, well, please. Jump the gun there, mister. Um, my last one is Under Oath. They're only chasing safety. Um, that kind of like the used was for Screamo uh is what under oath was kind of getting into that more hardcore more kind of metalish sound yeah it was more that, metalcore that, is that the one where she's wearing like a medical yeah breathing she's um, wearing like a oxygen mask oxygen mask yeah, yeah that was um, a huge one man it's just 
to still to this day and that's not even their best one they had two they had to find the great line that come out in 06 and then another one uh i think it's called like lost in the sound of separation that came out in 08 and those two are probably their best albums but yeah they're only chasing safety it came out when i was a senior like i remember listening to it i had all my crap in my car i was moving out to college and i just jammed it the whole way uh you know, a boy brush red, living in a black, living in black and white, reinventing your exit. Uh, don't feel very receptive today. It's dangerous business walking out your front door. Those are like four of their like just best albums. Um, but yeah, it's just that kind of transition to me into another kind of realm and genre of music. And um, I don't know. I'll, I know a lot of people don't like Under Oath or didn't like Under Oath back then, but they were they're just really, really good. No, they were good musicians for sure. I think it was just because weren't they more like Christian? Because a lot of them were like a big Christian metal, everyone described it, metalcore or whatever. That and then, you they, know. They, they were good. You there, can't deny that. There, and then there was you know, um, their, like their screamer or whatever. He left the band because um, he got he got an addiction. He had an, uh, a, a, uh, issues with addiction. And um, they released an album... I think in 2013, it was like active depression or something. And that's like, I think he came back and like, and their later stuff, he's back with the band now and their later stuff. Um, you can really start to see like his kind of influence and that, how he, you know, there's songs written about it and how it kind of shapes how they write and how, you know, the, the lyrics and stuff nowadays. But I don't know. It's just good really for him, good. Though. Good for him to come back. Uh, but yeah, you got honor. We can just bounce honorable mentions off each other. Yeah. You just want to go, I'll do my for you, do you for him. That's fine. Uh, every time I die, hot damn. Yep. See, I missed that one. That was like oh six, right? Oh three. Oh, is it really? Yeah, bro. Hot damn. Oh, see, there's so that many that one was, made I, it. That reminds me of like certain parties. That would be a song, like, yeah. like a house party, and that one's on. Uh, Allison Chains, unplugged. That's the one from '96. But yeah. Sorry. When we'd be hanging out with the boys, like drinking, smoking at a buddy's house, it'd always be like at Zach's house. End of the night. End of the night. No matter what, we put on that DVD. Because that, you know, that's when MTV did their whole Unplugged series, and the biggest bands in the world would come and do it. Yeah, Alice like Chains. Nirvana was like the famous one. Nirvana, Nirvana Pearl Jam did it, you know, like even Kiss did it, and they did, they did all their make all the, without any makeup and everything. But without a doubt, in my opinion, the best one was Alice in Chains. They played all their greatest hits, and Alice in Chains is a great. They're my number two '90s band, so don't get me wrong. Great, like electric band, but when they unplugged and played, that, it's like all their music was meant to be played unplugged. Right, so good. Uh, uh, the Black Dahlia Murderer, Unhollowed, which is like their legit um, debut album, and then Terror, one with the underdogs. Uh, that was always yeah, my favorite. I remember, yeah, band. I remember Terror. Yeah, yeah, I love Terror. I remember the show. Well, that didn't sound right. I love Terror. I love the band from Los Angeles called Terror. <laughs> yeah, let me just, if anybody's listening. Yeah, let me break that down as smoothly as I can. Um. Okay, so my honorable mention, which. Uh, it was my first ever live show I ever went to. Yeah. Uh, Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue. They had the violin player just yep. tearing it up. They had an electric violin player. Yeah. Uh, Yellow Card, Ocean Avenue. I mean, Ocean Avenue was a great song. Empty Apartment was a great song. Uh, Outcast, Stankonia. Ooh, nice. I think that came out in like 2000, 2001. I just remember my first car I put a system in. I just wore okay. busted Hell speakers. Yeah. Um, Sayosin, translating the name, that was and that's that's the album with Anthony Green. Yeah, I say that's the one then that makes your uh, circuit survive connection. Yeah, um, and then a band called Armor for Sleep. 
Yeah, kind of um, clears into them. Dream to make believe. And then, like I said, there's other things that I missed or I didn't realize came out when they came out. Like Thursday was another big band that I listened to a lot. The Mars Volta. Um, Mars Volta s- was on my honorable mention, but I took them off. But I love know, Mars Volta. There's bands like Senses Fail. and Dude, we liked good music back then. Yeah. Some of it was cringe. Like there's there's certain bands where I'm like, I can't believe like, I actually like, like them. Like Dashboard Confessional. Like that, <laughs> oh. I remember like Hawthorne Heights. Hawthorne was a deal Heights. For me. It's like when you listen to those lyrics now, it's like those are the most hey there. cringiest Dude. fucking li- I'm like, okay, I like this. I, I'm not going to claim this shit over here. Yeah. I'll live up to it though. I got pictures where I'm wearing like skinny jeans and I got a terrible haircut and a, you know, Blood Brothers t shirt (laughs) on. Blood Brothers, dude. I'm like, God damn it. That looks like a totally different human. Like, I don't even recognize that dude. So there's like, you know, but I'll own up to it, man. You know, I I like the music that we liked back then and I'll still listen to it. And to me, it stood the test of time, you know? Yeah, no, I. We worked, we had, we worked with what we got. This was a really fun one to do because it, Got me out of listening to podcasts all day oh. or when I had a chance. And it, 100%. it you know, kind of reconnected me with a friend that I hadn't talked to in a while that now should be talking to, you know. So it was a really, really fun, uh, fun Mount Rushmore to yeah, do this. And week. I hope anyone that listens to it, you know, think of your own, man. Go back and listen to those albums that you like. From yeah, high for school. sure. And if y'all uh, listening want to write in or, oh, definitely. That'd be or cool to look on. you know, tweet us or get on Instagram and send us a message or even email us, you're, um, your top high school jams just kind of list the years you're in school and the albums and the band or the artist and we'll read them next episode we'll yeah go over i would next love episode. to get some yeah. suggestions like so, i'll definitely so check I. them out i would love any feedback we get so yeah. um <laughs> so yeah so i think that's gonna take us to pick your poison okay here we go and this week's pick your poison and let me explain. Pick your poison is a would you rather kind of uh, scenario where we present uh, a question. And we have to pick, you know, which kind of side uh, we would pick and why, and we'll go back and forth. But this week's pick your poison is: Would you rather every shirt you ever wear be kind of itchy, or only be able to use one ply toilet paper? So, how much do you value value your butthole? That's the real question. That's that's the real question. Well, the real question is, would you rather your shirt be itchy or use one ply? But it really comes down to, do you <laughs> care about your butthole? Because I really don't, because I couldn't wear itchy shirts. So give me one ply <laughs> toilet paper, dude. You're just going to have to suck it up, little buddy. Yeah, I, I put on here, too. Well, itchy t-shirt just drives you crazy. Every day of your life? Every day of your life, you'd get no comfort. You're all constantly itching. People think you're like a crackhead. Like, I, I think, you know, like, well, you don't know what it's like for a while. Uh, to get a haircut? Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was talking about something else. You know, like when you got a haircut and like the oh, hair that's in your shirt, and you got yeah, you you to go home and wash. And you would be itchy, you know. Imagine that all over the place, all the time. Nope. No way, it's miserable. Dude. And I've been in situations where I had to use one ply, like at school or at work. Yeah, you know, like they don't cat. they don't cheat. They don't buy good toilet paper. You just got to use extra. Yeah, just double. You just got to double, it. or you know, like when I was living, first moved out on my own, I had to buy the cheap stuff. So uh, yeah, I've been you there. Learn, I can you, do that. You learn as an adult too. Certain things you don't cheat on. No, you go cheap on. No, no, no. Peanut butter, toilet paper. Pretty much those two things. Don't go cheap on. I think if we <laughs> ever come out with merch, that's going to be like on a shirt. There's two things you don't cheap out on: peanut butter and toilet right. paper. It's true. That's Andrew. what I learned. That's words of wisdom. There you go. Take that with you guys this week as you go on as you go on to your week. 
But was, no, that's an easy one. Give me one ply toilet paper. I don't, I mean, I'm glad I can afford, you know, some good stuff, some Charmin or Angel Soft or whatever, but we're shout quilter, out. We're a quilted Northern family, actually. Hey, whatever. Shout out quilted Northern, <laughs> Angel Soft, Charmin. If you're listening, we're accepting sponsorships. <laughs> I, 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 we, we don't, we don't discriminate when it comes to that, but yeah, I've, I can't do an itchy shirt. Yeah. Like I've got like one of these, uh, like. Dry fit, like it's a cowboy shirt, but I would love all my shirts to be made out of this because it's yeah. like super comfortable. I got to be comfortable. Oh yeah, I'm wearing sweatpants right now. Yeah, no I'm wearing, shoes and socks. Yeah, we're we're barefoot and we've got I'm, athletic shorts or sweats on. So yeah, I've got to be comfy. Like as and soon I as, only put pants on because you're coming over. Well, don't do it on my account where you <laughs> you've got home field advantage. Um, but yeah, so that's an easy one. If y'all want to write in, if y'all want to participate, y'all write in. Tell us, would you rather use one ply? Is that a big issue or would you rather not wear a niche shirt? So you know, and I was gonna cheat this week and go with option, option three. What's option three? I was gonna get a bidet. Oh, Let's I see. Use. I used one, and then he just got like wet, drippy ass. Like you get a dry towel. See, I put on here. I've never used one, but if I went to like a hotel or a B and B that had one, I think I would make a cup of coffee right then. Just to get one on deck, because I would be so curious to use okay, it. Okay, I didn't know where you're going at first. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, speaking of cup of coffee, we just inherited a uh, a Keurig. Yeah, yeah. You want some decaf? I got. I bought like 24 cups. Of I don't decaf need decaf. I need. Yeah, I need neither like the, do I. I need like the jet fuel stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, "What the fuck is this?" No, like but, Claire got it. She's like, "Oh, I got you some coffee." I said, "Yeah, it says decaf." What am I gonna do with so that? So one of Lauren's friends. Um, or somebody she knows, like either got married or something, and had they got two at their wedding. Oh, that's, yeah. And she you. was like, "Just give me twenty bucks for it." Dude, they're we not had cheap a brand either. new like Keurig, like it's got the little screen on it. But yeah, so we got one, and we went we went to the grocery shopping tonight. Like I got some tea, like some. Oh uh, yeah, like you go crazy on your first hot time. tea, yeah. and then I got uh, she got a different coffee, I got a different coffee. So and oh, we got hot chocolate. Y'all like never Swiss. had one before. You sound like a little kid at, oh, dude, on Christmas. You're yeah, giddy, man. I, I, like when I go home, I'm gonna make a, a cup of tea. So I'm excited. But that was, uh, that was our first thing we bought when we got our when we lived into that loft together like eight years ago. We bought a Keurig and thought we were so fancy. No, I've always wanted one. Um, and I think we had one for a brief time when me and Lauren first got together, but I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, no. So if y'all want to participate, uh, write in uh, thedadlabpod at gmail.com or, or thedadlabpod on Twitter and Instagram and let us know uh, what you would choose. Um, but with that, that takes us to our movie review. And like I said in the intro, this week's movie review is the 90, 1996 Wes Craven Master of Horror, classic Scream. It is a classic, man. And dude, so it's good. gonna in like I, you know, we talked about it a little bit. It's weird watching a movie that we just we're not gonna rip apart. Yeah, the this is time. the first one that we're gonna be like really complimenting it and like you know telling you some of our favorite parts. It's really good, and I saved it for the end, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there now. Um, you know, this movie kind of proved that you don't need some big scary monster or. Special effects or yeah, zombies no or, or you know this boogeyman like you it, it really was just a man a, a knife and, and a voice changer on a phone yeah and it was just like you said what would you do if you were home alone and you lived out in the country and somebody called you yeah the simple idea of being home alone and a stranger calls and is fucking with you is terrifying yeah you know even a guy with me with like has a gun in the house I would still just be like shit in my pants like because it's the mystery of it it's the the, the, the whole time they're like, well, what, what are you doing? Or, or he's saying like, 
he knows what you're doing, so he's watching you like yeah. shit like that, and he's giving you little clues like that. So and it's a brilliant, simple idea that that they just and made perfect. Uh, what was your tidbit about slasher movies? Like it brought. Oh, that that's what revitalized the whole not slasher movie category, but also kind of brought back horror movies like Wes Craven making this movie because that was a huge hit back in the day, like '96. That was a box office success. Uh, yeah, I was ten when it came out, and I remember watching it. And like, even though it scared me, I loved watching it. Like, it, and it was just something about the mask. And then that spawned like, that became a fun, uh, cultural thing. Like people wearing that all the time. Yeah, like that spawned like a brand new yeah. like Halloween costume that you still see today. Like that and Mike Myers mask and Jason, it became that iconic yeah. to where you could wear it for Halloween. And people were like, "Oh yeah, I know exactly who you are." No, um, but let's get into it. And I'm gonna try my best to kind of chronologically kind of break down the movie. Um, so like I have written down the opening scene was pretty scary and eerie. Just oh, that that brutal. cat and mouse, that cat and mouse like you know he calls one time and then two times and then she starts getting frustrated and then three and four and then he that line he says like hang up hang up on me again and I'll get, get you, you like, like a, a fucking fish. fish. I remember when I heard that two days ago gave me chills. When I heard that when I was like ten, probably scared the shit out of me. Well, there someone was a, talking like that. There was like, a line before real. that that really ratcheted up the tension. Um, when she was, he was wanting to know her name. She's like, well, "Why do you want to know my name?" And he's like, "Well, I want to know who I'm looking at." Yeah, that was chilly. Dude. And then, like, like I was, you know, I was just talking about it. It's the simple things. It's like the little musical cues and the sound effects. Like, you know, like when just that. That raises the tension. Yeah, that whole scene was just a buildup of just yeah. a phone call. Nothing happened scary until like the end of that scene, and then it's brutal. So, and then like I wrote Jiffy. She's making some Jiffy Pop, and I said Jiffy Pop is awesome. Um, and then so yeah, he's calling her on the phone and playing that cat and mouse game, and she's running around locking all. I'm like, why aren't the doors locked anyway? Fuck yeah. And maybe that's just a kind of a, a you know kind of a symptom of the world we live in today yeah but, the world i grew up in i lock everything yeah um and i wrote drew barrymore as a fox and i wrote that we had that exact same cordless phone growing up <laughs> we had the exact same one um and i wrote the opening scene was still scary as intense as even as an adult yeah and i remember uh too when that movie came out, because, you know, the first time you saw it, especially if you were, like, of age, like, if we were old enough to know, oh, that's Drew Barrymore, that was the star of the movie. So when they saw Drew Barrymore in the opening scene and then she died, that that shocked everyone. No one saw that coming because yeah. they thought she was going to be the lead because all you saw were previews. You know, if you saw that on opening night, you you were blown away. And so that – just the fact that they would kill the openings the, in the, the star, star and the opening scene just shows you, like – you don't know what to expect, man. That was such a brilliant like opening to kill your lead like that because now anybody's game. If they just kill Drew Barrymore's character, you know they could. Any of these people could be up next. Well, so I, I wrote, I've always appreciated and I really thought that was cool how they did that. I wrote, uh, and I'm gonna read it as I wrote it. I said, I wrote, dude, Henry Winkler, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Drew Barrymore, Jamie Kennedy, Ski Ulrich, and Leif Schreiber. This movie had a hell of a cast. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them were too young to like know that they were going to make it. You know, in hindsight, we know they were all great actors right. and they're great. But yeah. like we said, like Skeet Ulrich was like really the only. Oh, I one. thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to yeah. blow up. Handsome he's like dude. He's like the only one that didn't kind of pan out. He looked like a young Johnny Depp right there mm-hmm. from like Crybaby. You yep. know. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that opening scene when he because she's so close to her parents, he like must have hit like a voice box or something when he got yeah. it because she can barely talk. 
and then he drags her. And she, the, gets, she hears him on the phone. She gets mom out, but it's just there's not enough yeah. air. And then you, yeah, because all the winds out of yeah. her, out of her lungs. And but then I, they, I wrote she gave a, she put up a hell of a fight. Oh, yeah. And throughout this movie, all the attack scenes, they get the the victims get their punches in for the most part. These, the, you know, depending on who it was, they got their ass kicked a little bit because they. I mean, uh, Sydney in the first attack got them. Uh, I forget her name. Um, yeah, I never, maybe Casey. I, I think it was Casey. Yeah, because I remember the mom yelling Casey like that it was yeah, terrifying. Um, she got some shots in, but uh, but no. Um, so, and I, I just wrote. We'll wrap up this kind of first attack up. Um, the scene of her hanging with her guts hanging out was so brutal and metal. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's very metal. Like it was just you could see. She was just eviscerated and like it all was all hanging there. Yeah, all her intestines just hanging. That's what I'm saying. And imagine, because I was thinking about it since I'm a parent, like how fucked that up that is. Because you can hear her on the phone because she's dragging away with the phone and you're, you hear, you hear, and then you go out and it's just like your child's like he hanging worked. up right there. I'm thinking That's both so of them must have been there. Yeah. You know, to, both to, the killers must that. have been there. Like, you know, one fucking with him at the front of the house and then the other going through the back or yeah. something. But, uh, no, it was just, it was a really good opening scene. Great opening um, scene, for real. Set the tone so great. Yeah, and then we go to... Uh, so how about this? Billy immediately, after uh, killing Casey and gutting her, goes over to Sydney's house to try to get some. Yeah, Is we, that where we're going next? Yeah, we, we go to Sydney's... Man, and I put on here, what a fucking psycho. That's a psychopathic trait. You literally just gutted someone, and now you're trying to get your dick wet by going to your girlfriend's house well, and flirting? Well, that's probably, I mean, like, he, it probably aroused him. That's you know, what I'm if we, saying. If that's we wanna, a sociopath. If we want to, like, delve into some... got a boner from gutting yeah, uh, but, uh, Casey. But, yeah, we uh, we go to Sydney Prescott's room, who's played by Nev Campbell, and I wrote, I forgot how hot a young Nev Campbell was in this movie. See? I was like, but she wears a nightgown? Oh, she looked like a total granny. Like, that kid, like, we were in Walmart or somewhere, and Lauren was like, I think I want one of these. And it was like, a a nightgown. I was like, Lauren, you are about 20 years away from that. Back up. Yeah. Like, no. You might as well... uh, Get her a pack of Werther's to stick in those pockets. And we'll go buy the, uh, you know, Murder, She Wrote box set, (laughs) because you're on the road. But anyway... Yeah, she she was wearing a nightgown, and then but, I wrote. But Neff Campbell still looked pretty dude, good. Dude, she was so hot. Still looking uh, good. Um, and then I, I wrote, "We have a Skeet sighting." So that's the first time we see Skeet Ulrich, Old Skeet. Uh, who played uh, Billy. And uh, so yeah, he's uh, he sneaks through a window. They almost get caught by their dad. Um, luckily, that closet door was open and <laughs> caught that bedroom door. They would have oh, been toast. Yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, he's trying to get in their pants and he's saying, you know, we started out, you know, hot and heavy and now, you know, over the last year, which well, don't happen, you don't find out, uh, for a minute what happens. But, uh, basically I wrote a, a plea for an over the pants HJ, how sad, but I remember those days. Oh yeah. So he couldn't get sex, but he settled for some over the pants stuff, over the clothes stuff. I think that's that was a win coat. in my book back in the day. Yeah. I remember the, I wrote that, you know, uh, I wrote, Absolutely. I remember those days, man. Um, but yeah, it's kind of sad. You're, you're just, you know. You make a plea for an over-the-pants HJ, but I, I was never 17 or 18 or however old they're supposed to be, but I remember those days. Um, so she shuts him down and, you know, tells him he should, you know, get out of here and, and 
leave her alone for the night. And I wrote all that effort for a horrible case of blue balls, but he did get material for the spank bank. That's yep. a win. Cause as he's climbing out the window, she said, uh, cause he made a reference to our, it, it's like PG relationship after being, we were on, or he was like, we started off rated R on a course for like NC 17. And so he's obviously saying like, Hey, let's, let's finish this. Let's have sex. Yeah. And she goes, uh, would you settle for a PG 13 relationship? And she opens up the nightgown and gives him a little, and honestly, what I'm thinking of, this movie's rated R. Technically, we can see those boobies. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we being denied here? And why is Skeet so lucky? Yeah. So uh, he gets she uh, he gets some uh, some material for the spank bank, uh, and then we get a shot of them going to school. Yeah, and, and I was gonna put real quick. Anyway, sorry, but go ahead. No, no. I just love the fact how they the city of Woodsboro is like a character in itself because we get the the high school, the we get the report, we get Gail Weathers, the local reporter. So they, the fact that they make the city, the town Woodsboro such a character in this movie and like, you know, we got, we're at the police station. We know the sheriff. We're introduced to all these people. I just, I just thought that was really cool how they, they just, well, no, I'm going to kind of steal one of your points. Um, but we get these overhead shots of these houses and it's like sunset and like these rolling hills. And oh, they look like they're million dollar acres. Yeah, and it's just like they set the scene so well, and they used, um, you know, and there was, a, and I'm sure it wasn't drones back then. I'm sure it was like yeah, cr- that's what crane, I was thinking. I'm they sure it was like crane shots. Yeah, know? those definitely were drones. But they had, you know, a crane shot of over the house, looking down into that kind of like that valley, and then, uh, you know, at the end of the movie, I think Sydney's trying to get out, and there's another crane shot of her in the attic kind of window, mm-hmm. and it's kind of pulled back, and you can kind of see the whole house and see Sydney out the window. But yeah, they just did, they just did everything very well. Um, and like again, if there is a Woodsboro, that that was a real. I would love to go there and visit that place. And it's weird. I feel like I know it now. And it's weird, you know. Like we said, it's weird going and um, not just totally ripping a movie, you know. To yeah, shred. this one has, this is it's just it really aged well, well done, just like our albums from high school. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we're at school. News of the murders um, and spreads we, like wildfire. And we forgot like to mention that. they had. Um, that KC chick, they had her boyfriend out on the porch and they gutted him too. Yeah, I actually put on here, um, what the fuck did Scott do to deserve death? Scott, yeah. That was his name. Or Steve, my bad. Steve. What did Steve do? He, wrong place, wrong Collateral time, damage. Yeah, wrong. he got gutted just because they had to make this idea know that they know he had a boyfriend and you know so, they wanted to scare her by killing I don't know. I feel so bad for Steve. R.I.P. Steve. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, so, yeah. Like I said, uh, we're at school the next day, and you know all the camera, all the news stations are there. The news is hit, and I wrote, "We uh, we get a Courtney Cox sighting, and she is looking good, and she has her fastball." Awesome name too, Gail Weathers. Gail Weathers. Yeah, great. Name. She mentions later on the movie. Sounds like she she should be a meteorologist. She but, should uh, be, but I'm I'm glad she's investigating journalism. Yeah, is way cooler. Ninety six Courtney Cox. Her fastball was probably around 97, 98. and even now in twenty twenty, she's still rocking. Well, she got surgery though, man. She, oh, she, she she's naturally pretty, but she got a she has like Meg Ryan face now where they they like botched it. You haven't seen her recently. No. She and I hate that because all these people are so naturally beautiful. Well, I was gonna say she's her fastball still like ninety two with some good movement, but now it sounds like it's you like didn't update seven. She's it, still pretty. Over and the you know, plate. her and David Arquette got married shortly yeah. after all this, which was so yeah, cool. That's they actually hooked. You know, they started dating because of this movie. That's um, awesome. And then I wrote Rose McGowan's tits should have received a nomination because good and I'm y'all are gonna think I'm weird but I make several references but <laughs> I make several dude references. it's just incredible how uh, it's I lost for words like how no, good they that looked. was 
I think that I think watching Rose McGowan in this movie kind of jump started my puberty. Uh, he just kicked it right. Yeah, yeah, I was like, "Fuck it, you know what? I want to. I got to go to the bathroom right now. I'll be back." Um, let's see. So we're still at school, and there's a, and there's a scene in the hallway, and two pranksters come running through the hallway with the same masks that the killers were wearing, which leads uh leads them to the principal's office. And they get a talking to by Henry Winkler, Fonzie. Fonz, absolutely. And it was weird. Like he grabbed, he grabbed Sydney, or and you know, and then and then a little bit later they call Sydney down and for questioning just to rule her out. And like he grabbed her chin, it was really weird. Yeah. I and know. I was like, I wrote that down. Like, why the grab of the chin? And then uh, I don't know, Skeet had a bunch of, or I should say, Billy Skeet Olich <laughs> as Billy. He had a bunch of one-liners because um, they're they're sitting outside of school around the fountain. The fountain scene, yeah. And he, I just wrote, uh, he's got a line, and he says, "It's called tact, fuck rag." Fuck <laughs> so nineties. Like Matthew Lillard said something, and he's like, "Hey, it's called tact, fuck rag, uh, fuck rag." And I just thought that was funny. And then I, I wrote right after that, Matthew Lillard's character is just hilarious from the beginning. Well. Later on we'll get, but I got a note for you about Lillard at the end. That okay. I, I thought. Okay. And that's where we meet um, Jamie Kennedy's character. Yep. It was like the horror. And that's one thing, another thing I love about this movie is it pays so much homage to the horror movie for um, genre. Mm-hmm. Like this guy alone, he's like, yeah, I bet when Wes Craven wrote this, he wrote this character. It was probably his favorite because this is the guy that's going to explain everything to us. You know, we learn like all the backgrounds of all these killers and like the, the, the rules to how to survive a horror movie. And he's like giving us a play by play as we're the viewer watching it, like how these people can survive. If they do these things, they'll all survive. And I just, I love the fact that it, this movie really just pays homage to other great horror movies. Does, there's all these yeah. references to all these, you know, Michael Myers, there's reference to Jason Voorhees, to, um, why, why am I thinking of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street? Freddy Krueger. You know, there's all these references to all these, and it's it's really just Wes Craven because that was his life. You know, making that's all he made was horror movies, and I think it's his way of putting a stamp of approval on like all these past legends, and you know, just adding his name of a uh, goat. What what is the killer's name? Or um, it's like Ghostface. Ghostface. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So adding Ghostface to those like legends, and and he really was. Um... And my my notes kind of get my notes kind of get weird here. I kind of lost track. Um, but they're the second attack is actually on Sydney. Um, she they're supposed to meet up and do something later that night. She ends up falling asleep just, on the couch. Her buddy, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's when we get the first call from Sydney, and that's where we kind of get a hint of what happened to her mom. Yep. Doesn't he make a reference? Does Ghostface make a reference there? Um, and I said the first attack on Sydney was well done. Um. Uh, it just, it was tense again. You, I edge your seat. Um, yeah. Cause it got to the point later on in the movies. It's just every time you heard a phone ring, you'd get nervous and then they would answer it and you would hear that voice box and you'd be like, Oh shit, it's going down. So that was always a really cool thing too, to, to establish that slit on the film. Every time a phone ring, you'd be on pins and needles. Yeah. So, um, she gets attacked and then I said, LOL at fucking officer Dewey. Because like she opens the door and he's like holding the the mask and he screams. He's screaming because yeah. she's screaming. Yeah, uh, I just said, and dude, I he's so lovable though. By the end, you like Dewey. I do like Dewey. Um, and then I said in 1996, this was probably the last era that someone could get away with like something like this. 
because you know they're talking about tracing the cell phones and and all that and nowadays there's just technology is just oh, yeah, too you, great well, like you couldn't get away with or it'd be a lot harder to get away with something like this now versus 1996 absolutely um, and then you know they were talking about the cell phone why, i mean why couldn't they just star 69 that's what i would do like on sydney's end to figure out who you know whose cell phone it was that would end the movie kind of quick, <laughs> true <though>. true <laughs> um let's see and then in uh, sydney's at the uh at the police station after the attack, and I wrote down, I would have just stayed at the police station. Yeah. After one attempt. Your dad, you, have you mentioned to you, like her dad, they think his dad, her dad's away on a business trip or something, but yeah. no, they, they've been trying to they locate her dad, him. and they find out at the police station, like, hey, we still can't get hold of your dad. So her mom's dead. Her dad can't be located. There's a killer on the loose. I would have just stayed put. Yeah, fuck them, man. Let me stay here with y'all. Yeah, I would have just stayed put. And then, uh, of course, Gail Weathers shows up, and um, Sydney's trying to exit out the back. And oh, and uh, they go around back, and she confronts Sydney. And Cause, Sydney. Because Gail will. Oh, but go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, she confronts her, and they're talking about this current events, but there's also animosity there because Sydney knows that this book was written. About, about her, her mother and Gail's the one that wrote it and cashed in. And so th- obviously if somebody wrote a salacious story about a loved one that's dead, like no love lost there. So and Sydney set it up. Sydney plants a right hook on yep. her. Like that would have made Mike Tyson proud. Cause she, uh, she said the line like, well, I'll, I'll check it out or, you know, I'll let me know and I'll, I'll look for it. She goes, I'll send you a copy. copy. Turns around, right hook across to the right. face. And I just wrote, Sydney has a killer right hook. Um, and then she ends up going back to Tatum's house, who's played by uh, by Rose McGowan. Mm. And then they they bring Billy in because um, they think yeah he's at he's already at the he's police already at the station. police station yeah which sets up this next scene and makes it kind of which it, is a brilliant move yeah it's very well done it's um, a smart move by Billy so uh, they're at uh, Tatum's house and uh, they get a phone call. And her mom walks in the room and says, hey, Sydney, it's for you. And Sydney picks up the phone and it's the voice box. It's the killer. Which is brilliant because now you're like, well, fuck, it can't be Billy. He's at the police station. Yep. So. Yep. Um, and I just I wrote down that, that call after she was attacked was crazy. And then the next day she's at school and I wrote down they made her go to school. Yeah. Here's something I like, too. This is a direct quote from, uh, I think it was Dewey. But it's school, Sydney. You'll be safe. I said, man, did that age like milk in America. Right. Because that was pre-Columbine. And since then, like. I ain't going back to school. This is right. the last place I feel safe. And then I should have put before before all that, but we get our first Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Appearance. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, great song. It, it was just a perfect like. Yeah, song. that's what I'm saying. It's like um, caught in the middle with when you're watching Reservoir Dogs. Right. You're like that is the perfect song to play at that scene, and they do they play it kind of over and over. And when it does like that high shot that and they're then, fading out like of the town, yeah, I, dude, that's so cool. Such it was a very good, scene. good. Um, multiple times. And who does she run into? She runs into Billy. And, and he's he, just trying to convince her. I'm he's not trying a to killer. convince her, yeah. What do I got to do? And he's like, you know, I just want us to get back to us. And I wrote down, maybe now is not the time, Billy. Oh, he's, he's <laughs> to still talk got relationship a hard on. problems. Yeah. Um, and, and Sydney straight up tells him that, like, you know, I've been through a lot and, I, and you're basically just worried about getting laid. Yeah. And which I, I'm, I'm totally on her side. Like, yeah, yeah. Billy, show some fucking sympathy here. She's been through a lot. It's called tact, fuck rag. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. Fuck you. Didn't you say that, Billy? But uh, I kind of goofed up at the beginning um, when I said that two kids ran down the hallway at the beginning in the first school scene. It actually didn't happen then. Oh, uh, that was when she's back at school because they, they're scaring. Somebody. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, I think we, you just really wanted to introduce Henry Winkler. I, you, I really did. You couldn't wait to I get really the Fonz out there, so um, we jumped ahead. But yeah, so after that, um, after that scene with Billy, we get the scene where the two kids are running through the hall. Matthew Lillard finds it hilarious. Oh, he's about to die. He's like <clears throat> eyes bulging, he's veins laughing. popping. Yeah, he's having the um, best time. So, um, <laughs> and then this is the scene where Henry Winkler pulls the two boys into the office and. And then, uh, again, I was going to say, another thing that they do brilliant in this movie is they portray so many different people as possibly the killers. Yeah. Because when you're watching that for the first time and you're seeing the animosity and hatred he has for these students and the disrespect they have, you're like, man, it's fucking Henry Winkler the killer? Been. You know, when you're watching this the first time, it puts seeds of doubts into so many people in that town. And that's another thing I think was so cool and a great job done by very, Wes Craven. And then, because they also do that with, um, Jamie, with Jamie Kennedy's, Kennedy's character, character. Yep. you know, because, so they keep you guessing. Yeah. They keep, and then that call while Billy's in the jail, that call, that throw, that's your kind of first sign of like, okay, uh, something's up. They've got the wrong guy. Yeah, because a lot of people at that point were thinking, well, it's probably okay. Billy. It's a boyfriend. Then that phone call and it just does a 180. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to think now. And then, uh, so next, Sydney was attacked in the school bathroom. Yeah, a so, couple like, bitches man. in there too before. Oh, yeah. God, what a couple of see you next Tuesdays. You can say it. They were cunts. <laughs> That's true. This is going to be I'll, heard in I'll, Australia eventually, I'll, so they were two cunts. I will mark it as explicit. Um, but well, yes. only when you're that bitchy will I call you that. If a lady doesn't use her blinker, I'm not going to call her a cunt because she didn't use a blinker. Those two girls, well, really just one. The other one was just kind of like agreeing with her. That was a total bitch. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, 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 was, like ready, that I was ready to fight. That, that yeah, because she was like, you know, she's probably doing it for attention. Yeah, she's she, she's doing it herself because her mom's a whore and all this. What the fuck? But she ends fuck up getting she ends up getting um she ends up getting attacked in the bathroom. She gets away um, with a sweet sliding move. It was that a was sweet a, slide that, was, that had to be premeditated. She, she would have been safe ready. at second for sure. Yeah. Um, Pete Rose is proud of that slide. That's right. <laughs> and then, um, like you said, they're setting up so many people because the next scene is you see Ghostface in her mirror and he rips off the mask and it's the principal. Mm-hmm. And then it just gives you that little sliver of like, well, fuck, maybe, you know, it could be all these people. What's so, he doing with the mask on? Yep, they do a great job throughout the whole movie. I love that. And so it's a classic thing where he hears a noise, he opens the door and he goes out. Um, he goes out in the hallway. There's the janitor and there. That looks like uh, Freddy Krueger. You know who that is? I've got a little nugget. The janitor in the hallway was Wes Craven. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah, so I did it after the movie's who's over. The creator, who's the creator of all of Nightmare and Elf? Yeah. So he owns the rights to that. That's why he could do that. Yeah, so it That's was awesome. actually Wes Craven playing that character. Yeah, so I was I doing some that. digging and kind of some research and kind of looking up little factoids about I love when, act, when directors like make a little guest A little spot. Easter egg, you know. Yeah, like, like Stan Lee did and all those yeah. Marvel. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, Especially when it's real vague because I didn't I, had, I didn't know that was him. So he goes back again. So the principal goes out in the, off, out in the hallway. Nobody's there. He goes back in his office. He's checking in his closet, and he peeks his head, pokes his head back out in the hallway, and then Ghostface is behind the door and brutally, brutally kills him. And it was there was a cool shot of Ghostface in the reflection of Henry, the principal's eyes, which was really cool. You kind of saw him like come into into the reflection, and then it kind of fades to black. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they put down like, you know, at that point of lockdown, a citywide curfew has, has occurred. So we, uh, we go to the scene, the movie, the video store scene. And I said, it's so good to see an old school video rental store. Just nostalgia flood. Oh man. It was so cool. Like Friday nights. Cause yeah, it would be packed like that. Yeah. New releases on the, on the big wall in the middle. You'd have all the classics and and the middle rows. The middle rows. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just it was cool to see an old school video video store. Shout like out that. Astro Video off of Villa Road. And uh, so um, we get the scene with Matthew Lillard's character and Jamie Kennedy's character, and he's kind of breaking it all down. They see Billy in the store, and he's kind of breaking it all down. He's like, you know, do you think it's smart to be for the number one suspect in a in a murder to be standing in the horror section? <laughs> And I said, leave it to B-Rad from Malibu to figure the whole thing out. B-Rad from, <laughs> from Malibu. Malibu. Most wanted, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah so he was right, man. Yeah, leave it to B-Rad he, from Malibu. He really was the one they should have listened to from the beginning. Because he like, had the whole, he had like, the blueprint of what was going to happen. And you know who was going to die or who was going to be uh, the main suspects. And you're right, man. B-Red was, he was onto something. No one just took him serious. Yeah, so, and then there's a really tense scene where Billy comes up and they kind of they kind of really rattle uh, Matthew Lillard's cage. Or not Matthew Lillard, but uh, Jamie, Jamie Kennedy's Kennedy. cage. Yeah. They, they really get to him. Um, so, there's a huge party at, uh, I forget whose it house. Was, uh, it may have been Matthew Lillard's. It was Lillard's. Stu's, yeah. Yeah, Stu. Stu. Okay, that's his name, Stu. Before we go, can I just put a line yeah. in here that... When Gail was flirting with Dewey because they have this like connection going from kind of immediately, which I think she might have been using him at first. Oh, you know, but I think I wrote down um, that Dewey, yeah, right here. Poor Officer Dewey has no clue Gail has her hooks in him. Like she wants to use him for the access. Yeah, like he has but no when, clue when she's flirting. She says this line, and tell me if this could be used vice or uh, in a flip situation. She's telling him how he looks so young. She says, "You don't look a day over 12. So that is definitely something a man cannot tell a woman. You know how creepy Double of a line standard. that would be? Yep. If I said, you look so good, you don't look a day over 12. I would be like, red flags would be going off all people around <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, there'd be sirens going. I just saw that and I heard that and I was like, that is something you do not say now, especially to a woman because yep. that's a weird line. So right after the comedy store or the, uh, the video store scene, we get another Nick Cave spot and I wrote perfect song for yep. this movie. Really um, is. And then... Um, uh, Tatum and um, Sydney are picking out groceries for the night, getting snacks and stuff. And and Dewey's talking to his captain, and uh, that's where we find out that they're setting up Sydney's father as a suspect because they say they found his phone, or they kind of trace back the yeah, phone. Yeah, the calls, calls were traced to his phone. Yeah, and then, and then he can't be accounted for. And then Dewey said, "Hey, is there any way the phone could be cloned?" And we find out that's exactly what they did. Um, Dewey, so. Dewey's doing some due diligence. Yeah, he's holding for his own. sure. You know, um, when he wears this badge, you treat him like a man of all. You remember what mom said? <laughs> yeah, you remember what mom said? Because his sister just totally God, if he was at like the station, him. I was yeah. like, I would probably have to slap my sister. I'd be like, you shut the fuck up right now. I'll put you in Literally, handcuffs. yeah, like I will detain you. Like these are my coworkers. I felt so bad for them. Um, so we get the party scene and, our, and like I wrote, you know, Gail is really wanting, pouring it on thick. To Officer Dewey to get him, get her in the party. Oh yeah, she knows. So, she's, they, she's going for the story because they want to plant a camera in there. Yeah, she's always thinking about the story. Um, and we get the scene. Um, and we get to Tatum's death. 
And yeah. I put that look. Didn't that look like the work of three ninjas? Yes. The way she died. Yes. <laughs> like that was some three ninja yes. shit right there. So again, and I'll get I'll get these uh, Rose McGowan tits comments out of the way right now. But I wrote in big bold letters, "Holy nipples, Batman!" Oh, because when she token. opens the door to get the beer, and she's standing there with like the light behind her, and it's just like doing doing little diamond cutters, dude. And I said. Matt had, to, Matt had to take a break at that point. <laughs> like I said, I was I was alone too. I could have. <laughs> like I said, holy tits, Batman! Someone give those tits recognition. She never did, so I'm doing it here on the Dad Lab podcast. Until further notice, until I find another pair of tits as good as Rose McGowan's, those tits are the official tits of the Dad Lab podcast. Cool if anybody you, wants to send any submissions, the Dad Lab podcast. Well, I was going to say, you know who did give appreciation though? Who? You see the executive producer at the end, uh-uh. Harvey Weinstein. No, yeah, Harvey and his brother Bob, and she was the one that started this whole. Oh, well, it well was. not started it, but was a big part behind the Weinstein, like saying like he did all these things to her and like basically raped her and you oh, know geez. pressured her doing this stuff. Me and Claire, as soon as the credits rolled, because you know it's written directed by Wes Craven, executive producer Bob and Harvey Weinstein, and Claire goes, "Uh oh, like," <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah," and she's one of the ones that pushed all this. She's one of the ones that really blew the whistle on Weinstein. So, wow, he definitely appreciated him, and it's kind of creepy to think about because just the shit he probably did to her during this time of film. You know, this time it was being filmed. Oh, regardless. Anyways, Great he's tits. a piece of shit. Yeah, we're just giving compliments. He's a he's a piece of shit. Just an observation. Um, just an observation. <laughs> so yeah, so we're getting to Tatum's death, and uh, you know, she, again, she puts up a fight too, and she's she's playing up the whole. Oh, are you the big bad scary killer? Mm-hmm. You want to play psycho killer? And the guy he's nodding his head yes, and you know, it, it gets to a point to where it becomes real and he, she gets her shots in on him too. She opens, she flings open the freezer door and he hits it. And he and runs into it. The beers with them, getting them with get the him beers. in the nut. He got him, she got him in the face and the nuts. Um, but she runs over to the, uh, to the garage door opener, hits like it. A, oh yeah. And she's trying to fit out the doggy door. And I'm like, her, her chest got out. I guess those hips got stuck. Yeah. The, but the, then she must've been wiggling so much because I'm watching it and, I know it's a movie, but I'm like, how did she die? And I guess her neck broke. I guess, but it, the garage door is well, so I, slow. I wrote, I was like, there's no <laughs> way that a garage door could lift her. No, but cool death. And I said, what's on there? Like a 50 horsepower motor? Yeah, because like it's normally, normally it's like a half horsepower little motor, maybe a one horsepower motor that lifts the garage doors up. And uh, so it's got that, like a 357 but, in there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still cool. I, I wrote that was a cool death. Yeah, especially and like a, and they can't all be slasher yeah. deaths. There's got to be something creative. So it was different. And especially like as a ten year old or an eleven year old, you know, when I watched this, it was a really really cool death. Yeah. Um, and then Billy shows up. Billy at the party. Billy at the party, and. Uh, he asked Sydney if they want to talk, and Stu's standing right there, and Stu's like, well, you can use my parents' bedroom, you know, if you're going to get... And uh, I wrote down, again, skeet with the quip. He says, subtlety, Stu, you should look it up. Because he's like heavy-handed saying, you can go up to my parents' bedroom and you just do it. Just do it. Um, so they get up there and, you know, they're talking and she says, you know what, I've been uptight about this, yada, yada, yada. And she pretty much gives in. And But what was, I caught a line in here and it says, Sydney's, she's talking about not ending up like her mother and being a bad seed. And I wrote, is that a Nick Cave reference? Oh, 
because yeah, she said I, I and she, that's verbatim. Yeah, she goes, I, she, I, I, she, I, I don't want to end up like my mother being a bad seed. And I was like, oh, is that a Nick Cave and the bad seeds reference? But maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It could have been though, because that song had already been played twice up until that point. Um, but and uh, Billy's got another couple good lines. It's, uh, he says it's all a movie, Sid. It's all one great big movie, and you can't pick your genre. Um, that was just, and then he finally gets what he wants. He gets, he gets inside the, the pearly gates. He gets inside finally. Uh, and then we go to one of the coolest and most iconic, um, scenes of the movie. It's, you don't know the rules montage. Yeah. Like when they did that, like to me, that's just, again, so cool that they would point that out in a horror movie. It's so, like, it's like breaking that fourth wall yeah. to talk directly to the audience. So you're like, well, cause when you're, yeah, you want to like, well, how do you survive a horror movie? And so go ahead. Neil, so Jamie Kennedy gives three rules to survive a horror movie. Number one, you can't have sex, which Sydney just did. Broke the rules. Yeah. No drinking or drugs, which they were all doing. They're all drinking at least beer. Yeah. And you never say I'll be right back, which I think Tatum said before. When she went oh, out to get beer. She's I think so. that because Lillard goes, oh, back. And then he goes out, presumably, to get ready to kill her well, dad. dad uh, because back to Billy, too, though. Yeah, well, I think she's going to come back to that. I think he says, we got a surprise guest. And he said, I'll be back. And oh, he goes shit, to pull her dad That would have been the day. Yeah. And that's when he slides the voice changer in his pocket and the cell phone. Anyway. Um, Getting ahead. Coming back. So they we cut outside and Dewey and Gail Weathers are walking down the street um, and they find Sydney's dad's car. Yep. So it's this mad dash up back up to the yeah, house. They know they got to get back. We cut back and Sydney and Billy are finishing up after you know they did the deed and she starts connecting the dots based on her conversation. Yeah, she's still asking questions like, who yeah. did you call again? And yeah. I called your dad or my dad. It's like, well, your dad was already there. And, and he's like, like, all these things just aren't adding up. And, and he's she, like, what do I got to do? And she starts doing the math in her head and, and connecting all the dots. And uh, that's when Billy comes in and gets attacked. Yeah, you, you don't, you're doing the quote. Oh, sorry. Air quotes, Quote, unquote, no attack. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, audio, right. Um <laughs> Uh, and I wrote that's some great acting on his part. Yeah, every slash was Ugh! yeah, it's like slow motion is thriving and, his and, body and around. And then when he reappears at the end, like when he falls down the steps, like that was acting. That too. was that looked pretty serious. That was when he felt. good like, acting. A commitment right there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's uh she's getting away from him after Billy gets quote unquote attacked. She's running away from the killer, and she takes a three story fall onto a boat. And it's just like up. fine. Yeah. And that's where she finds Tatum hanging. And then I thought Jamie Kennedy was going to get it then, but he doesn't end up dying. Ghostface comes up right behind him. Oh, and then he hears hear. something and he bolts off. And that's where we get the killing of the camera guy. Cameraman, Gail's cameraman. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause that was cool too, how they had it on a 30 second delay. Yeah. So he sees, he's like, get out of there kid. And then you see the Ghostface stop, turn, turn around and then, Cameraman goes outside. He sees the front doors open. He's going fuck. It's on a delay. He pokes in one more time and then comes back and right then like throws slit. And then Gail tries to get away and it was just a gnarly scene where there's blood Dude. all over the windshield with the windshield wipers. Yeah, and she's like, "Get off him! Get off the car, Gary, or whatever his name is." And I put Gail with the typical horror movie escape. She got twenty yards from the house and just crashed that van so hard. So um, then that's when the scene of Billy popping out of the uh, Dewey gets to the house 
Or no, it's uh, Jamie Kennedy. Dewey he, comes out of the house. He just got stabbed in the yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, and, then and then it's Stu and, Billy. and Jamie. We got, I can't believe we don't know his name. Jamie Kennedy's character. And they're both pleading like, let me in, let me in. You know, he's the killer. He's the killer. And she doesn't know who to believe, but she's holding the gun. Yeah. So... That's when Billy comes falling out of the stairs. And so she just shuts she, the door on both of them yeah. and helps Billy. And then he's got a great line, and he says, we, "We all go a little mad sometimes." And then that's when he shoots Jamie Kennedy's character, um, and Matthew Lillard again. We get we were getting to the end here, and his acting, like in this final scene Dude. in the kitchen, is just some of the like it's just awesome. I'm glad you said that. I put final scenes of Matthew Lillard. He goes full Pacino. That's the best Dude, way to describe it. Yes. It's over the top. It's but, but that's it works. good in a good it way. Works. Yeah, he's he goes full fucking Pacino. Where I swear, like he must have watched like Scarface to get ready for this character. Well, I wrote Billy. He uh, goes. He goes 110. percent I wrote Matthew Lillard is fucking great. Yeah, um, he grabs that opportunity and and then we find out why Billy and Stu were doing all this. Yeah, because that's why she's asking, like, why, why, you know? Like, yeah, gotta we be find reason. out that Sid's mom was banging Billy's dad, which is why... She, apparently some other people, too. She was banging old yeah. Cotton Weary, which is an awesome name. Yeah, and so Billy alludes to it earlier in the movie, but his mom left him, you know, him and his dad, and we find out because Sid's her mom... Dad, or her mom was banging his dad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um and then you know they have to make they're now they're now they're getting ready to stage everything and, and plant the evidence. Which is you know, really that's smart. How they, that's how they got rid of that first murder. Was they staged yeah. that it made it look like Sydney's mom was murdered by her jealous lover, Cotton Weary. Yeah, you know, and then it's like, oh, it was pretty easy the first time we did it. You know, you watch a lot of movies, take some notes, take some notes. You know, and uh, but, which again was really cool how they explained all this. Um, and this whole time, just watching Lillard is worth it. They're getting stabs, like. <laughs> and there's like four lines here, and I'm not gonna go in order, but they start, you know, trying to make it look. Uh, they're starting to stage it, so yeah. they start stabbing each other, and <laughs> Matthew Lillard goes, "I'm feeling a little woozy here." <laughs> if, if you could just give that same deliverance, though, man. Uh, and it's it's my favorite, one of my favorite lines from the movie. He talks about how there has to be a sequel. Yeah. And that's where he's like spit flying and veins yeah. popping. I was like full fucking Pacino. Um, I love it. And then he's like laying down like, uh, like on the desk. And he's like, I, you, you cut me too deep. I think he's, I'm dying, like, I man. Think I'm really dying here. His blood <laughs> just coming out of his, his mouth. mouth. And he's like talking about like, are you going to, did then, you really call the cops? And he's oh, like, man. my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. Yeah, my mom and dad. <laughs> and then the last one, uh, Sydney kind of gets away and calls Billy. On the phone, and, and now the, the revo- now the ro- it's reversed, and so Billy gets and the, pissed. And the police are on the way. Yeah, and Billy gets pissed, and he throws the phone at Stu, and he goes, "You hit me with the phone, you dick!" <laughs> I love Lillard in this movie, dude. He's so MVP. those are the, just the four lines, and it's all in this one scene at the end, and it's just some of his best work. Like, oh, absolutely! Ever. Like, it's so good. That's why um, his best work he's ever done. And I'm not like a huge Lillard fan, so I can't. I mean, maybe playing Shaggy. Yeah, second. yeah. Um, but um, in the end, um, Gail Weathers comes and saves the day. Uh, she almost saved the day a little bit earlier, but she forgot the safety was on. And, oh, I know. And Billy just pistol whips the ever-loving shit out of her and he knocks does. her on the porch. Um, 
but uh, and and not Stu, but uh, Jamie Kennedy's character comes. We find out is alive. Yeah, he got like a shoulder shot. So yeah, probably clean through and through. So Gail Weathers at the end of the day saves the day, shoots Billy, and Jamie Kennedy says, "Beware, this is where the this is the classic moment when you think the killer's really dead comes comes back back for for one more scare." He goes, "Ah!" Immediately, she's like, "I'm not having this." She just killed a guy that just deflowered her like cold blooded, and that was the end of the movie. So I am really jazzed. Like I know we talked. (laughs) <laughs> jazz fingers right. spirit fingers uh no i know we talked about doing some movies for the halloween special but after watching scream the first one i kind of want to go scream too cool or maybe that. we'll just do a they halloween made a, see i think they it made was a good. fifth one. Oh man and then they made a tv series they but but he the way he set it up was genius like Wes craven and good for him because he probably owns all the rights to this he's probably made so much money off of this so god bless him i would watch two and that's when they go to college i believe and then the third one had everyone. I want to say the first three was that same core group. And yeah. then the fourth one, and I watched a, I either watched the fourth or the fifth one that was recently, and I was like, it's just not. When they introduce all new characters, it's just not the same to me. Well, I would like to do two and three. Um, I mean, and we can still do a Halloween one and do something different, like we talked about one of the movies. But when we pick up back up on like a regular show, quote mm-hmm. unquote, we could. I'd like to pick back up with Scream Two. Oh, because it was very good. As soon as Scream One was over, I was like, I would totally I'll, watch. I want to watch Scream right Two. Now. Yeah. And what we should do, I was thinking, we had this place here in town called Game Exchange. Yep. We had cheap fucking movies. We yep. should just go and like make a list of movies we want that we want to potential see, and we could go find these DVDs for like three dollars. Yeah. And just like or you know buy them all together. For sure. That we would like have a collection of movies to go through. For sure. Um, but more but yeah. and more spooky movies to come. But that was Scream. It was it was very good. It still holds up. It holds was up great. Still scary like it was when I was a kid. Um, if you guys have any notes or any memories or any comments, uh, please feel free to write in or, or give us a comment on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but with that, it's that time of the show, folks. No. <sighs> Six seconds, big brother. Yeah, worst season ever, man. It really is. I'm just ready for it to be over. So let me give you a quick recap. We're going to zoom through this. (laughs) Nicole won the HOH. She nominated Christmas in Memphis. So there's only five people left. So you got the the head of household, two nominees. So that leaves only two people left to vote. So, you know, you only – it's getting really close to the end. Uh, She nominates Christmas in Memphis. Nicole then wins the power of veto, so she keeps the nominations the same. She wants to vote out Memphis. Enzo and Cody are the two people not nominated, so they're their only two votes this week. They could, they really have the power because they're going to determine who goes home or who stays. So everyone's obviously trying to make deals with them, trying to talk to them. Enzo is talking about splitting the vote. Like the, him and Cody each vote one way. And that would force Nicole to break a tie, which would have been a great move. It's a ballsy move. you know. That way it forces Nicole to show her hand and... It gets blood on her hands and fucks her over. And I don't know. It's just when he brought that up, I was like, yes, please do that. Of course they don't. Enzo's always talking about making these big moves, but he pushed out just like everyone does every other week. So instead, you get Memphis just voted out 2 nothing, just like that. There's no drama, no anything, no excitement. So the final four set, it's Christmas, Nicole, Enzo, and Cody. It's close enough to the end. I, I, think, I think if anyone takes Cody to the end, he's going to win. Just because he's won the most competitions, he's been in socially. He's very friendly and very popular inside the house. So you don't want to take somebody like that. You want to take someone that's either been a floater, like someone that sucked, or that's does a, or just hasn't done a, a good job in competitions, or people don't like. Because taking a popular person who's done a lot of good competitions is a quick way to lose. 
So in my opinion, whoever gets final, just don't take Cody and you have a chance because he would win because he's been the only one playing a really good game. And So have you ever felt this way where it's like you're wanting ready? the season to end? No, no. Because so it usually, really is the worst season ever. Yeah, because usually, like I said, they're saying is expecting the unexpected. Usually it's like every week something happens and we're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. Not this year. Every week's been predictable. It's been boring. No one's making big moves. Everyone's just hanging out with their friends. It's more of like a hangout than a competition. It, it bumps me out. I wrote on here, I can't wait for next year, next summer. And they should never do All-Stars again because when, with social media now, when you get wind of who's going to be on there and they interact with each other and they basically form these pre-game alliances and friendships it's it's not it's not fair and it's not fun they need to be totally spontaneous strangers moving into a house together that's the premise of the show that's why it's a social experiment more than it is a reality show because it's strangers moving in together coexisting basically forming their own democracy and voting each other out like that so i like the i like it back i like it better when it's like that um so just just get this year over with all right is that it that's it all right and with that we're going to do some sports and just a few sports stories to get us started before we get to the Cowboys recap and preview. Um, like I said, this being recorded on a Sunday, a lot of the stuff we had is kind of kind of not worth mentioning now, but uh, we'll just kind of go through what we had. Um, at the time we were going to record on Thursday, I was going to talk about the ALCS and the NLCS, but now we know... Uh, now we know that the World Series is set. It's going to be Tampa Bay and the Dodgers. They just won Game 7 tonight. So at least Major League Baseball gets one of those markets. Oh, yeah, they you know, wanted I'm LA sure they were sh- sure they were rooting for... L.A. And the Yankees, what they wanted. What ideally. they wanted, yeah. Ideally, that's But they were set up for Houston. Um, I'm so happy Houston didn't make it. They're just it, a bunch of dirty cheaters. Karma, it's what they get. I'm I'm upset they made it this far. I wanted them because technically weren't they twenty nine and thirty one? Like they were under five hundred, so they squeaked in the playoffs. I wanted them to just get bounced immediately, but justice was I served. Baseball played. gods they they took care of business. Yeah, because we can't count on Manfred to do something, right? Nope, that was the worst like so, decision to handle that I've ever seen. Uh, the World Series will be played here locally at Globe Life Field, um, so that's pretty cool. You that know, is really cool. I don't know yeah. if the Rangers will be there anytime soon, but it's cool that a World Series is here. <laughs> um, and Houston sucks, and that's the end of my comment. Yeah, and on just that. just the thing, just the fact that I wouldn't want Houston even playing in our stadium with a chance to win. So mm-hmm. I was a Rays fan, like immediately once it made it to the ALCS um, for the National League. I Atlanta honestly, been cool. I wanted to see Atlanta because they got such young, good players, and they got to be back though, man. Their their team is so talented and so young; they'll be back. Well, I read an article, and it was like this: you know, Atlanta versus LA. This isn't the last time; it's going to happen for years to come. Oh yeah, they're so. two great teams. Like I can understand why why Atlanta, or I'm sorry, LA made it back. They got like multiple MVPs, multiple or. Maybe just one Cy Young winner, but it's Clayton Kershaw. They got Dustin May, Walker Bueller. Those guys could win Cy Youngs by themselves coming up. So I don't know. We'll we'll all have to go into it or uh, look more into it. But right now, if you if you made me guess, I would think Atlanta or I'm sorry, L.A. But, but that's just because I don't know enough about the big names from. Um, Tampa Bay's got two really good starters, and they just may be one of those teams of destiny. 
Yeah. And it just may may work out that way. It seems, I've always respected the the fact that they can do it on a budget like Oakland does, but yeah. actually make noise in the playoffs. Yep. You know, good for them. Wish we could see more of that here with the Rangers. Yeah, because that's the way they want to do it here. They don't want to spend money, so they need to be more like teams like Tampa Bay and follow you need, that. You need ball. to be pulling guys out of their front office, out of their minor league organizations. Yeah, you need to be if that's your <coughs> if that's your model and that's the way you want to go, then Take you them. need to you need to start plucking people yeah, and money to. whipping people that way. Because you can get a scout or a coach or whatever cheaper than you can a player. So you need to start money whipping and start pull them out of Oakland, pull them out of Tampa Bay, um, pull them Atlanta. out of Miami or whoever, yeah. whoever does it, you know, well. Atlanta, they have all those good young talented players. And you see like a week ago they fired the majority of their scouts. Mm-hmm. like, y'all need to do better. It's not good enough. And yeah. it's like, they, I would love to have seven of their players on our team. They have right. everybody in their lineup would be like probably our second our third best player at worst. You know, they got guys that are obviously all-stars. and Because, like, lo- looking at these final four teams, is there a player in our lineup that would hit in the top seven in in theirs, in any one I of those I really teams? like Kiner Falefa. I think he would find his way onto everyone's lineup. But like you said, I don't yeah, think he, he'd be I a mean, top seven. He'd probably be like, he's a bottom third of the lineup. And Gallo, everyone's hyped about Gallo, but the guy can't even – hit 220 well, he's a feast or famine and- yeah that's what i'm saying like so no um andrews has passed his prime or he was always consistently like 280 300 hitter so yeah when you pose it like that i don't i don't think we have a guy that would just in the top six uh six seven spots in those lines that's where we're at man you know yeah, when you put it like that that's a depressing way to look at it yeah our best player wouldn't be their eighth hitter you no. know <laughs> and we have one pitch, and we have one pitcher that would Step in. We have a yeah pitch here. Yeah, we, we got one. a guy that can cap in. Yeah, so we should have traded him. Yeah, we should have uh, got what we could at the deadline. One hundred ten percent agree. Um, so let's move on to the NFL for a little bit. Like I said, we had originally planned to, you know, do it Thursday. We're at Sunday, so things have kind of advanced. But Le'Veon Bell was cut by the Jets. Uh, he was picked up by Kansas City. He was paid twenty eight million dollars to play eighteen games <laughs> for the Jets, dude. The Jets are the worst ran organization in sports. Yeah, like that team should be contracted, and you should give it to San Antonio, or you should put one back in Oakland or somewhere. Uh, I, I don't like talking about Oakland. I feel so bad for them. I wish they would give, but the give J- them the Raiders back and give the give Vegas the Jets. The Las Vegas Jets. That sounds just fine. Yeah, but so they are the Oakland. worst. Adam Gase is a Oh, he's the worst. Dude. He's, he's a, a dumpster fire yep. shit show of of a coach. Just that whole thing, man. Couldn't Darnold, hey, more. if I'm Darnold, I'm going to my agent. Hey, get me out of here. Especially the best thing for them is, and there's been petitions that say, you know, if Trevor Lawrence or if the Jets get number one pick, Trevor Lawrence shouldn't go there. No, he should pull an Eli. Yeah, they're saying you should you should really do. That's what they're saying. Like pull an Eli, talk to Archie. However they did it, don't go there. It's a dumpster fire. Yep, and it's sad because it's one of those. They're not iconic on the level of like Green Bay or even, you know, whatever, but they're a cool franchise. When Joe Namath wearing a fur coat, banging out every girl in and New York and predicting and predicting Yeah, and predicting that championship. I mean, that sets you up on like such a cool trajectory for your franchise. And then even up until, you know, they were still relevant in the Rex Ryan. Well years. even her Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards, like they were a good franchise up until the butt uh, fumble. Years ago? Oh man, you might be right. That might have been. That may have turned. been it. That might have been when the franchise just turned. Completely. But I just think they're they're worse than Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, Everyone gave shit to to Cleveland, but at least they used they're their worse picks than Cleveland. And, uh, even Cleveland at their peak, you know, zero and six. Their peak badness. Peak badness. Yeah, was um, still. I don't think as bad as. 
Even I'm sorry. It's still the Jets still would supersede that. Even Detroit in their own sixteen year with Rod Marinelli, like I just they're they're the worst organization in sports. They should be contracted. Should be regulated. Or just take them away. Give it somebody. They, who they're they're it. close enough to need to Canada. Can they join the Canadian Football League? And and they'd still be on sick. They they would struggle. <laughs> they're just terrible. They are. But uh, so you yeah. know, we cry about being cowboy fans, and it is tough. But fuck, we could be Jets fans. Yeah, um, we're probably also Knicks fans. Right. You know what I mean. So right. it could be bad. It could be worse. So, but you know, uh, New York paid them twenty eight million for eighteen games, and they didn't get a whole lot in those eighteen games. Um, no, um, man, what, what was this crap? I can't think of the stat now. It was something to do with like it might have been the longest run of Le'Veon Bell's career there. Um, was actually super was actually surpassed by Sam Darnold's longest run there. Wow! You know his longest run was only like thirty four yards, and like I don't know, Darnold had like a forty yard scramble once. It's just when you hear stuff like that, it's like God, he did just bust there. He was an all pro dude. He was an all pro running back and like an all pro receiver at Pittsburgh, and shit just fell apart. You should go back to riding jet skis in Miami. I can do that, but you know Andy Reid's a, a obviously a brilliant coach, and he's going to be one of the ones that. It was great for him to go there because he, yeah, he's he, not going to get the uh, the carries and the attention and the publicity, but he's going to be a good running back for that team. Well, and Andy Reid's a perfect guy to kind of revive that thing because he can split them out wide. Yeah, put oh, him in yeah. the slot. They're going to put him in the slot. He can a put them all over the place and let Mahomes just do what Mahomes does. Yeah, imagine Le'Veon Bell, uh, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey all spread out and on like, the right side. And Hardman, yeah, the burner to just go run a go route. Imagine those four lined up on one side of the ball. And then you can still have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire like in the backfield. You have to worry. And you yeah. have to account for And them. you're like, fuck, that's four, five. That's five guys I got to really account for. Every one of them. But so. it wouldn't have worked in, um, I think he was mentioned in Buffalo. It's Buffalo and Miami. Were and it wouldn't have worked in Miami. And there was even whispers of a Pittsburgh reunion, but that bridge was burnt, torched. So it, Kansas City and Andy Reid was really the perfect place. It really was for him to land. Alex was the one keeping me posted because you, you two are on like Twitter all the time. So I lean on y'all for like sources on on news like this. And he was like, "Yeah, it really looks like he's going to KC." And I knew he's not. He's 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 never going to probably be again the the bell cow that he was. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I heard he's going to take goal line carries away from Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like you said, he can line up in the slot. So. I have on my fantasy team is why I'm showing so much interest. So I'm he's not going to be my number two running back, but on bye weeks or in injury weeks, I'm going to hold on to him just because you never know. There might be a week where he could pop off. And, and he may get, you may points. get a couple games in and he may be a flex player. You may be like, yeah. okay, well he's good for eight to 14 points a week. I, a lot of people started dropping him as soon as he got cut. And I was like, he's going to get re-signed. I mean, he's not a bum, you know, I think it's he's not like 28. Like, yeah. He's still in his twenties. It's not like he's like, if, if Adrian Peterson got cut today, it'd be like, well, I hope someone picks him up, but he might be done. You know, Frank Gore, right. Adrian Peterson. I was like, Le'Veon Bell's still in his 20s. He's still, you know, he's not what he was, but he's still worthy of holding on to is all I'm saying. No, and, and I want to move on to just some quick hit stuff, and we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on it. But um, the Titans dominated the Bills on Tuesday. Yes, they did. 42-16. Uh, to 16, And what was impressive about that is the Titans at that point, uh, at that point of the game hadn't practiced in 16 days. Yeah, and everyone was high on the Bills. So that kind of shows you what a team can do uh, when they're well coached. Um, well, and practicing at a high school field. Well, right. Um, <laughs> Got to talk in about one, Derek in Henry. one play. Derrick Henry just he stiffed armed 
Couldn't happen to a better dude, but Josh Norman into oblivion, dude. I've the never seen such a violent stiff arm in my entire life. He's got the best stiff arm in the league, right? Yeah, now. There's, oh, there's hands no down. One, there's no one close that can touch him. Hands down. Uh, there was that guy for that tight end, uh, I want to say McDonald, Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald. Stiff-armed. Uh, Is that a Cleveland Brown player? Is it Joe Hayden? Maybe. I, mean, he just I know what you're talking about. Though, same thing. Um, but that's different because that's yeah. a tight end. Tight ends are like smaller offensive linemen. Derrick Henry, though, is just a – he's like Herschel Walker when you look at him and it's like that is a big, strong, scary, He's an absolute human. unit. Yeah, he's a unit. Yeah. One like that he had that run today, that 94-yarder. Yeah, he had a 94-yarder today. He still had to break a tackle, but then he literally left everyone behind him. I mean, he outran everyone on that field, and he's probably – one of the strongest. He's probably him and Saquon might be the strongest running backs, and for him to be that fast, and it's, and, it's amazing. and look at the look at the look at the difference in the build, and they're still strong, but Saquon is more compact, and he's a you know he's just he's he's smaller, mm-hmm. and then you see Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's a big dude. And he's, he's like, like six, six four. Yeah, I'll say he's six three, six four, two sixty. I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's like a fucking refrigerator. He's like a walking refrigerator. <laughs> he's dude. so fast. Anyways, we both have him in our fantasy leagues. That's why we're drooling yeah, right now. Yeah. We're in two different leagues together. I got him in one, and he's got him in the other. And uh, I just wrote down Justin Herbert. He, the kid looks legit. I didn't see what he did today. Uh, I didn't. I, I think they lost maybe to New Orleans. Uh, uh, New Orleans didn't play. Uh, I know that because I, I got their defense. Okay, then I don't know what they did today. Actually, they didn't play. Oh, they had a bye. That's yeah, right. New Orleans. You picked the two teams yeah, that were on okay. bye. Maybe that's why I put them together. <laughs> yeah, that's why he must have connected them. Yeah, they're both on but bye. But his game last week, I mean, he's legit. And he got thrown into the fire. And I, I really thought he would be the worst of the first-round quarterbacks. I just did. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it was the Oregon thing because we, you know, we talked about. Bus. Yeah, they don't have a good legacy. Of yeah, I just don't know why. I was like, I don't, I just don't see it in the kid. Yeah. But hey, I was wrong. Hats off to him. The kid um, can play, man. Did you take a note that Tua got in today too? Did he really? Yeah, because well, because Miami beat the shit out of the Jets. It was twenty four nothing in the fourth, and he got in for a little bit and, and uh, said he got a rousing ovation. I'm sure. And then. Um, his first completion was like a first down, like a ten yard, a uh, little like yeah. slant. But came in, made completed some passes. I don't think he, I don't think he scored, but he also didn't turn it over. It was it was garbage right. time, but right. still cool to see him come in. I think that could be a huge um, franchise changing pick for Miami, and I hope it works out. I, I'm a big fan of Tua. Yeah, I just root for Tua. Yeah, with everything he's over. Anytime someone can come come back from a brutal injury like that, like with Dak next year. Dak's support, he's already a beloved quarterback, especially around here for most people. He's going to get, you know, his first game back is going to be like national news. Like, it's going to lead like, you know, Sports Center or any any other thing. It's well, going to be Dak's first well, game Well, just back. like the injury did. I mean, after the injury, it was Dak for... But the fact that it happened to such a nice, good guy, I think people are going to be rooting for him to come back. And I already saw today that they said that the Cowboys would... If and I hope it doesn't come down to it, but they would they would use the franchise tag on him again. But if you use it a second time, is it you can't use it a third time? So after that, he's unrestricted. Yeah. He can go wherever mm-hmm. the fuck he wants. That's right. So they need to work on this deal, man. Um, get it done. Get so paid, with man. that, let's let's get into our Cowboys review. And I honestly, it was a week ago today. I don't I don't have a lot. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it because the Dak injury just kind of. I, I honestly. It. They the Cowboys ended up winning on a sir on a Greg the Leg field goal 37-34, but I don't remember like probably the next twenty to thirty plays. Yeah, after was, Dak went down, I, I think me and you were texting. I, 
I want to stop short of saying, you know, I'd, I'd shed a tear. And not because I was sad that he was hurt. I, you just kind of see how much it meant to him. Um, when he tried to bang that leg back in, that, that was something I mentioned in, to you. It's like, God damn, what a game. You're right. He's what a, a gamer. War- he's a warrior, man. He wanted, he, he looked at that and thought, Oh, I need to get back in. I'm going to pop play. it back in. Yeah. Let me just pop it back in. It's like, bro, you need, and so he many, didn't, you need a surgery. He, right he didn't now. know that it was poking through his skin. Yeah. It was a compound fracture. It was a compound so fracture. It, was, it came through. So skin. I really don't have a whole lot to this game. Um, I don't remember, like I said, after that, the next probably 20 to 30 plays just because I was. Yeah, because it just that was blank. in the third, and honestly, the only things I remember after that, because that was in the third quarter, a lot still happened. I remember the two passes that Dalton made to Gallup and the kick. They, that was it. I remember the two incredible Gallup catches. Yeah. And, um, and outside of that, I don't remember much, just because I was in my phone, I was in Twitter, I was yeah, checking I for updates. Yeah, I was telling you, like, just keep me posted. Yeah, we were texting back everything. and forth. I, I just, you know, because you, I don't think he was crying. He was crying because he had to leave. He was crying because he... he, he, he the he cares he acted, about his team. I was like, how is he not – I would be like pulling all the grass out, you know, like just pounding my fist in pain. And he's just like, oh, fuck, man. man look at my ankle. I can't play anymore. This sucks. And I'm like, he, what a and beast. I think he was crying just because – He feels like he probably let the play he, the team down. He, it means a lot. And, and he and, was setting records, dude. He and was a lot on of, a historic pace. You know, and a lot of people were saying, well, he's crying because – you know, he bet on himself. He turned down that contract offer, and he was betting on himself, and the, bet, and the bet didn't pay off. That's just so stupid. If you listen to Dak and you listen to the – and I think it was everything. I think it was 2020. The fact that he buried his fucking brother. His brother committed suicide. He battled mentally. He came mentally. out about he, it. He, he opened up. I think it was just all that coming, crashing down into one moment, and I think it all just kind of hit him. And well, too, he, he felt like he let down his teammates. He let down his, his guys. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with the contract. I don't think. I think that's no. the furthest thing from yeah. his mind. Because in, in being the quarterback of the Cowboys, that's a platform for you. So when he wants to talk about social or uh, mental health and helping out like stuff with his brother, I'm sure he saw all this too. It's like I'm going to lose the opportunity to kind of share it with a lot of people, and because now the focus is going to be on his recovery and not about talking about these things that he could have talked about post game, like when Hayden Hurst came up to him and told him about his foundation right. and opened up right. to him about it. He knows he's going to miss out on opportunities and. I'll be an asshole and admit I thought about the contract, but not in a way that I'm like, oh, they should, you know, offer him less now. I thought of then like, damn, I wish he had taken that financial security because it was a fair offer. You know, the the, the main sticking point was they wanted five years, he wanted four years because he wants another bite at the he apple. wants he wants to get another contract, which yeah. I get. Uh, it makes complete sense, and I was like, why just fucking do it, man, y'all. He's got you by the balls. He's going to be our quarterback. I hope for the next ten years. Just give him a four. So I, so I was like. I thought about the contract, but in the way that I wanted him to be financially secure just in case. Because he's yeah. going to get the this year's money, but he was offered generational money. Yeah. and I, So that's why I was upset that he didn't. I've kind of noticed my attitude since we started talking about it. I just hate it for him. But there's no doubt in my mind that there's not going to be anybody that rehabs harder. Oh, he's going to get it. He's going to come back so Yeah. Like, he's going to be He's going like to be determined. Said. He's already – finding ways to be at the stadium because like if you're on injured reserve you can't be at the stadium due to the covid restrictions yeah but he's already like i was listening there's a cowboys podcast i listen to um but they have inside sources that are saying that it's gonna have like he's gonna wiggle his way into the stadium somehow so there's you're not gonna find a guy that's gonna rehab harder that's gonna work harder to get back yeah um than deck because he's been fighting he's been overcoming adversity his entire career, he did. He wasn't a starter in high school. 
the quarterback Didn't got each hurt. One, yeah, I was say each process, every level, he had to wait for an injury, and he yeah. stepped up. And what's kind of crazy is an ankle injury is what put him in the spot he's in now. Romo got hurt. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was the backup. He breaks his ankle in practice, and then here, here comes Dak. So it's kind of poetic. It's almost poetic, but I don't, you know, uh, people talk about, oh, well, Andy Dalton this, Andy Dalton that. Look, Andy Dalton is a – Andy Dalton's a former pro bowler who went to five trips to the playoffs. That, but there's a reason he's a backup at this moment. I don't yeah, think I don't a, think he's going to come in and take this team to the playoff. They may take him to the playoffs. They can take just, him to the playoffs because of his division. division. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's going to come in. If this was the NFC West, I'd be like, yeah, season over. Let's, let's get a pick. I just don't think Dak is in jeopardy. If – if Dak isn't here, it's because the business didn't work out. The business side. Oh, of it they're didn't not work gonna. Out. They're not gonna say let's ride with Dalton. No, no. But say what you will about Dalton. Is he not one of the top maybe three backups? He's in the, league, the top backup. He's the best backup we've had. And maybe Chase Daniel because in years past, Man, it he's living a good life too. God, we've talked I about I was, it. Yeah, like we've talked I would about love it. to be Chase Daniel. Um, but you know, in years past, this was Cooper Rush. Yeah, exactly. If this be, was Cooper Rush. We would be fucked. Well, get this: the the last couple game I went to was twenty fifteen against the Jets, and Kellen Moore started. And you want to talk about some bad football? My it's like goodness, we, like we lost to the Jets preseason game, and it was bad. We lost to the Jets last year, bro. It was bad, so um, we could be we couldn't be in a lot worse shape. Yeah, I, I think I think um, the only reason I'm kind of bummed is Dak had built up this great rapport with the receivers, and it's just going to take a couple weeks for Andy to get there. Because at the end of that Giants game, he proved that he can put it where he needs it to. He can that that pass to Gallup down the sideline yeah. except the field goal was a fucking dime. He yeah. dropped. So I'm not worried about and when, Andy. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, with our shitty division, I'm not saying we're not. Listen, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. We're not going to get to the NFC Championship, but we can make it maybe past the wild card. Maybe we can get to the divisional round before we get smoked. You know, some build off of whatever playoff. The experience. defense has got to show up regardless. Um, hey, I hate to admit it, but Jalen played better. Jalen played. I do because we rag on him so we do. deservedly, but he played well. I'll give it to him. He played well. He played really good. And with and we'll get back we'll, uh, coming up too. But LVE might be coming back. LV, That's going to help him. Yeah, which I, I'm I'm nervous. I don't want him coming back this soon. It seems really rushed. Soon. It does. They said For it takes no like. Reason. I thought they said it five to six weeks, and this is like week four. Yeah, but but they said with the surgery now that's I guess they can like infuse the bone, and it's supposed to speed up the process. But I'm the same way. It's like this guy's known for being susceptible to injuries. Maybe if he's an Iron Man, I'd get it. But if he's more like you know he's injury prone, so I'd why just give it a couple weeks more because it's not going to get any worse. Um, we may be getting Cheeto back. Um, so are we transitioning to. No, and back we'll finish, we'll wrap up the the Giants game. You know, we 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 wish Dak nothing but the best. Yeah. The outpour from the the entire NFL, not not just more the, than that, dude. The world, world in the sports world, yeah. The amount really it just cool. shows you what kind of person Dak is, and and that people recognize because I think people recognize special people like that, and I yeah. think when you see all that outpour, that just that's proof that. It's not an act. He's a genuinely good person. There was that. There's that famous kind of highlighter video where Dak goes to throw a cup away and he misses and he pick. And he, how many athletes would go just, back and picks it up? Yeah, and he throws it away. How and many? How many people, not just athletes, would just leave it? 
I mean, and depending that, on where I am, I, I might leave it just to be honest. <laughs> well, that that that's good, and that just shows you how special Dak is and what kind of person he is. So, and um, the timetable four to six months. I thought it was going to be longer than that when I saw yeah. that injury, and then you you were the one updating me, and you're like, "Yeah, it's about a four to six month rehab," and I'm like, "Yeah, that ain't bad, man." He, well, I, I mean, forget the way he's going to go at it. I forget I, now. Like they said, a a break like that is better than a fracture. And the way it turned, if it turned inside instead of outside, and it broke a different bone, it would have been a lot. Um, it so would have been actually, a lot worse. Yeah. So he kind of he kind of was the best case. Kind of air quotes got lucky in yeah. that sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, we wish Dak the best. Get back, um, and I can't wait to see him. You know, play playing good football he again. Was tearing it up this year. Say what you will. I know the game sucks, but defenses can't give up forty. But we were in, we were in every game. Yeah. Because of him. Because of him, and we have great weapons, but you know, tackles are tackles are gone, quarterbacks gone, just, just shitty. Here. So real quick, let's get uh, let's pre- preview tomorrow's game. Uh, we got the Arizona Cardinals coming in uh, to AT and T Monday Night Football. Kyler Murray's coming home. He's yeah, I had that noted. Do you have a note six about six and zero at AT and T Stadium, including high school, college, and now in and, the pros. In high school, I think he was like something crazy, like forty and zero in high school. Oh, he never lost a no. game in high school. And fun fact: my brother was his quarterbacks coach his senior year. That's fucking. Yeah. Um, Hope he's got like some memorabilia signed. I doubt it. Dude. I doubt it. But did he know then? Like, did he think he had that potential? Oh yeah. I mean, obviously he was great, but you know, like this no, guy can go he, number one overall. This he, guy could. Everybody kind of knew. Like it was a general, like I mean, and how he, tall is he? Do you know? He's, he's not under, six foot. He's under six, right? I would like say five, he's ten, like five, five nine and a half. What a fucking in real beast, life, dude. That's I've never seen him, but him. that's just hearing people talk about him and stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, he's coming home. He's dynamic. He's everything as advertised. We got Coach Bro coming in. My man crush. Uh, uh, I just I love Cliff Kingsbury. I think. He's going to be great for the NFL. Um, if he he's could a just great get, innovator, yeah. If he could just get his defense playing, Isaiah Simmons hasn't quite panned out. He's he, out, and I heard uh, is it Chandler Jones. Jones he's out, out too. Which are probably their two best. Without knowing the roster, I would assume two of their they best are. defensive and, players. And uh, they're like us; they can't cover anybody to save their life. So oh, it's going to be a shootout. This needs Andy Dalton needs to just air this mf. He just needs to air it <laughs> just out. Just air dude. this motherfucker dude, out. Just man. air it out, dude. <laughs> yep. Let Gallup eat. Let uh, we're at home, so let Amar. Cooper eat and don't just, forget my boy. Uh, I'm not forgetting CD. I ain't forgetting him. And for fantasy purposes, let's get Dalton Schultz involved too. <laughs> for fantasy purposes, strictly. <laughs> no, but hey, Dalton Schultz has played well. He's really, really impressed me. He's turned. He's it probably around, impressed man. me more than anybody because I had. I don't know about you, but I really thought Blake Jarwin could have been a breakout player for so us. I, yeah, I mean, you see him. Well, he, he is a for quick. It. He is the kind of player that you look like he's that new generation of tight end uh, Jarwin is. And with that injury, it was devastating. And then Schultz came in, dropped some easy passes. Everyone's, fuck, fuck, next game, man. But I think he put in the work. I think He, he put realized. in the work quick and was like, I am the starting tight end for the Cowboys now. And, yeah, he's turned it around, dude. He's a, he's a viable fantasy option. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm going to work my ass off, stay up super late tonight when we get done cutting this. Um, and I'm going to try to get this out so – you know this is relevant for some people that would listen to it tomorrow, but uh, we'll we'll get a we'll do we'll do the Halloween episode this week, but we will tack on uh, a Cowboys review preview um, at the end of that one because um, it is football season and me and Andrew love the Cowboys so we can't go without it. Um, so I got some questions for you for the game. Okay, which one do you think is more likely? Because Cardinals. 
put up over 500 yards or Cardinals score over 40 points? Man. Um, That's how bad our defense is. Which I think one? they're both possible, but think more than both. likely, I think I think we give up 500 yards, Jeez. but maybe we only give up 29 points. Okay, so Ben, don't break. Yeah. That's been our mantra for here. For Okay, and add another one. I think the Murray to Hopkins might be the best QB wide receiver combo. Would you take that? A healthy deck, obviously. Cooper or Wilson Metcalf? Who, what's your combo if you were starting to – this was your team? Wilson Metcalf, just because Wilson is on another level uh, from the two quarterbacks. And I think you could make an argument for Cooper and Hopkins. And even I think DK is probably the third out of that group, out of that three. He's still probably top and, five, six receiver. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm just saying out of that grouping. It's a, it's a great group of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would take just because Russell Wilson's So you're going more be quarterback. The, yeah, I, I'm basing that on the quarterback. See, I think I would go uh, Murray Hopkins because Murray is so young, only a second year in the league, and him and Hopkins already have that great connection. Yeah. And then Murray to me is – maybe it's because I have both these guys on my fantasy team. Sorry, I don't want to drown or bury all in with my fantasy talk, but I got a pretty good team this year. And uh, I think that was a great combo to pair up. And then you put you pair him up with Cliff Kingsbury, who's going to innovate and, and yeah, yeah, he's going to get the ball to the playmakers. Yeah, so. and that's not even mentioning Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, uh, who's the running back? Kenyon Drake, Chase or Drake and uh, Edmonds, Chase Ed, yeah, Chase so, Edmonds, yeah. You know they had another run. They had a runner to that mix and. Do they, who's their tight end is the real question. I couldn't tell you. That's what I'm saying. I'm they, behind they don't, on my they don't incorporate a tight end uh, game. But anyways, I just, I just thought that was cool because it's going to be, if Dak were in this game, I think you would have two of the best wide receiver, quarterback wide receiver combos going yeah. at it. No, that's been, a, it would have been fun to watch, but we're going to we're gonna question. see what Dalton's got. That's a good question. And I, I think it's going to be a good game too because we're gonna it's going to be interesting to see who Dalton gels with first because last yeah. game he, he was Gallup. with Gallup. Yeah, and we got so many good options. I think it's going to be just read your outs and whoever's open. I think it, everyone has good enough hands. You don't have to force the ball to anybody. You just – who's open? Everything, everything – that question has everything to do with how this week went in that practice. Practice week, yeah. You know, and it's going to get better because he's going to spend more and more time – with these receivers every week. So I'm not worried about Andy Dalton. I'm more worried about this defense. Especially with this offense coming to town. And, you know, we should be getting Randy Gregory back here in a couple of weeks and all the reports from – and it's always this way, but the reports from practice is that he just looks incredible. Um, David Irving got reinstated. He's not coming back to the team, though, is he? But he could. When David Irvin played and wanted to play, he was a good player. He was damn good. When he wanted to play and not just smoke weed and get a paycheck, he is a de- when he's dedicated, fuck yeah, give me David Irvin and Randy Gregory. That yeah. line would be nasty. It's everything we wanted because coming into this year, I thought our D-line is going to eat so fucking much. We are going to rip dicks off quarterbacks, and so far it's been more like soft pats on the butt. We're not even getting to the butt. I want to see some dicks ripping. <laughs> it's not even, we're not even getting to the butt. We're not getting close. We're not even sniffing that butt yet. So you got a prediction for the game? I do. I think we're going to lose in a shootout. Or I said it could turn into a shootout. That's going to be completely on Andy Dalton's shoulders because I think Arizona is going to put up points. But I think we sadly lose this game 38-24. If Dak were in this game, I would have predicted a win, but a narrow win. Maybe like a you know, 35-30 some shit like that. I think it would have been a lot closer. Um, 
But Arizona's got a great offense. They're like us. Win healthy, great offense, shit defense. So this would have been our perfect game. It would have been so entertaining. And it still could be with Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, I just want to restate, for the record, again, is a viable above average backup quarterback. So that makes him a slightly below average starting. So could be worse. Like you said, we could have Cooper Rush out here slinging yep. the ball. We're going to have a guy with playoff experience who's been to Honolulu on a Pro Bowl trip. Like, it's not Dak, but it's also not the end of the world. We'll see what he can do. He's got the weapons, but yeah, 38-24, I think we're going to lose. Okay. Uh, I actually think we're going to lose too, um, just because I don't know if we're going to have a hangover from uh, Dak being hurt or if the defense is just going to revert back to, you know, what we've been all year, but I think I think you're right. Collar is going to come in and put up numbers. Uh, if we, the thing about mobile quarterbacks and especially Collar Murray, if you can't get there and get there quick, he's going to eat. And, they and then when you do get you. there, they over they over pursue and he's up the field and there's nobody there to. Chase yeah, he'll plant his foot and just break one way after you you're determined. I'm going to get him this way. He'll just he'll juke you real quick. So um, I'm thinking it's going to be something like 35-24. Yeah, so we each have them losing by double digits. Yeah, it's you know I think this week may we may struggle to get Andy Dalton integrated, but I'm not worried about. It. Like I said earlier, Andy Dalton is not my concern. It's this defense. Let's get LVE back. Let's get Sean Lee back. Let's get Cheeto back. Let's get all these dudes back. And maybe Jalen can build on the momentum that he that he, but I don't know. With that giant thing, he may have known. Hey, he he may have known Garrett's offense, and he may have known where to go. Yeah. So let's see. Come on, Jalen. Let's start earning that contract. And with LVE coming back, hopefully it does alleviate some of the pressure and burdens and um, coverages that that Jalen might have to be in. Because if he if he can be like a stand up pass rusher. Awesome. You know, we paid him a lot of money to do more than that, but if he can be just a designated pass rusher, at least find something, a niche that he's good at and can blossom from. Well, it's just if he ha- if he if he has to if he could only play north and south, he'd be fine. Mm-hmm. But it's when he has to go sideline. But to that's the job of a linebacker. I know. That's I know. what sucks. Is that's yeah. literally his job is to be that sideline to sideline linebacker, like he was at Notre Dame. He was a fucking Hall of Fame level talent at Notre Dame, and it's unfortunate, but. I don't know. Just you know, we got them. We keep fucking playing them, I guess, till we get somebody else. But um, I was I saw something cool. It was a stat about uh, Dak actually. Um, they're in the Mississippi State. Who did they lose to? Was it A and M? I was watching part of that Saturday, and they had a cool stat. You know, there's only two players in SEC history with over 40 rushing touchdowns and 70 passing touchdowns. Dak. One of them's Dak. Tebow and Tebow. You got it. Yeah, Tebow. It was ridiculous. Tebow had like. 87 passing touchdowns and like 62 rushing, but then uh, Dak got in. He had exactly, I think it was exactly 41 rush and 70 pass. But that's the history of the SEC. There's like there's only been two guys to ever do it. And then you know talking about when Dak was at Mississippi State and brought him the number one in the country. It's like you forget about these things. He took a shit team like Mississippi State and the by far the best division in football in college football and took him number one. Yeah. That's shit that only special people do. You no, know, he is so, a special person. You know, on I, and off the don't field. Don't take him for granted. Like like just a lot of healthy. people took Romo for granted and I'm like, yeah. you guys don't realize you, yeah, I guess you guys have this. short memories and yeah. you don't remember this black hole that was the two thousand to two thousand whatever or ninety nine ninety nine to two thousand five maybe when yeah. he took over full time or six. And just yeah, the there rotation was five, six years of just utter shit. And I just, you know, I don't want that to happen with Dak because no. I've, I've seen it. Especially with an it. injury, man. 
Because I know with Aikman, it was a nick that kind of forced him early. Cause... But all you idiots on Twitter that are always calling for, you know, it's Dak's fault this, it's Dak's fault that. And I'm glad you do it because now I know who to avoid. Because if you have that opinion, I automatically, you, you I just rule you out you as a sports fan. You have credibility to me uh, if you, you say You that. just lose it all. Yeah, that's, that's because a it's really just stupidity stupid because you, you don't watch the game. You just read. He's the only reason we're ever in these games. You watch Skip Bayless. Or you watch uh, that guy's Colin Coward, and you just regurgitate, and you take in whatever shit they spew from their mouths. But anyway, you're about to see, you're about to get your wish, and you're about to see life without Dak Prescott. And come talk to me mm-hmm. at the end of the season, and and we'll we'll talk. Yeah, Dak was but, putting uh, up 450 yards a game and like four touchdowns. Yeah, but uh, that was his average going into like week five. He was he was uh, having a record record setting year, but uh, with that. Let's uh, we're we're get, getting up against it here. Let's get into what are we watching and what are we listening to. I'm still watching 90 Day Fiance tonight, Sunday. Uh-oh, I gotta go catch day. up. Yeah, I gotta go catch up on uh, it's 90 Day the Fiance the other way. So, oh, yeah, like I was explaining, that. you know, it's Americans going to uh, foreign countries. Um, <coughs> so it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Um, last week it was pretty interesting, um, and I forget their names, Kenny and Armando. That's the 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 gay couple down in Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and it was really tense because uh, Kenny last season proposed to Armando, and he said yes, of course, and then he took him. Uh, Armando took him. Uh, <coughs> Kenny to meet his family, and oh boy, it was tense. Uh, the dad really? didn't even want to come out of the house. The mom was cool with it, and all the brothers and sisters and cousins. And, you know, they were kind of joking, like, hey, where, where are we invited? And so that was good. Um, and then uh, Ariella and I forget his name. Just call him Steve. Steve. Just call him In Steve. Ethiopia. Um, oh, he's definitely not He's Steve. not Steve, so that makes it even better. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, I forgot it's overseas. Yeah. It, I was thinking from, like, Detroit. And Steve. And, uh, no, and she's pregnant in Ethiopia. And that didn't uh, sound it ended on her... That she went in for like a routine. Uh, it, it's a lot like what happened with me and uh, me and Lauren and Landry. We went in for a routine sonogram, and they were like, "Hey, you're gonna have the baby." So that's how it ended last week. So we're gonna get to see this. Oh, week. this shit's coming. Yeah. Um, and then there's Ji Hoon and oh crap, what's her name? Uh, anyway, uh, Ji Hoon is a South Korean dude, and his old lady is from. Washington maybe but she's really cool um they're kind of blossoming after some issues uh but yeah so that's all I'm watching and what I'm listening to is a podcast called Killing Missing and Hidden <laughs> I think it's just Killing Missing Hidden um I found this podcast on Reddit and the guy's name is Brad and uh he gave me some really good feedback on our um, oh, that's who. That yeah, was on our right? podcast, yeah. he he kind of listened to and gave me some really good critical feedback, and uh, so we kind of had some dialogue back and forth on on Reddit, and he seems like a good dude. He and you would be into it because it's true crime. So and he does it. It's really well done. He does his research. It's not it's not sloppily done. He's got his facts. It's really well done. He hits on a wide variety of cases. So uh, you should. Um, check it out uh, and I, I've already downloaded it and yeah, listened to it so. I, come, I come to you for the true crime suggestions yeah you I've already find the best ones I've already listened to a few of his episodes and he you know is he, it one case he's focusing on or no is it different? it's like different cases okay cool um 
But uh, shout out to uh, Brad and Killing Miss and Hidden if y'all are looking for a for a uh, podcast suggestion for some murder but, uh, porn. Murder porn, yeah. What are you watching? <laughs> watching. I watched uh, this was last week. I watched that Hubie Halloween, that Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. Oh, I heard mixed reviews on it. Was it, it was good? what I wrote here was a typical Adam Sandler movie. It has some few laughs. It's a decent enough story. But what I really liked about it is they did a really good job of capturing the Halloween spirit. So it's a Halloween movie through and through, you know, like there's no doubt. Like the the main characters, Adam Sandler and like the supporting actor is just the premise of Halloween and the it takes place in Salem, Massachusetts. So it has that connection to the old witch trials and nice. the history of it and the the town, which like we talked about Woodsboro, so I always think that's cool when you can incorporate the town history into the movie. Um, but if you're like me and Halloween is your favorite holiday, I would definitely suggest it just because of that, because at its core, it's a Halloween movie. It's a comedy. It's got, it's more of a comedy than a horror film. Cause I think it's P, like PG 13. So there's no gore. There's nothing crazy, but it's just a good Halloween movie. And I always like the fact that Adam Sandler, cause he plays the same character, you know, the mouth open and gate kind of making that stupid face, but that man's made hundreds of millions of dollars over the last 25 years playing that character. So now so, he's just chill and play basketball. Yeah, so he's just living it up. But, you know, so that's what you would expect. Like, Claire can't stand him, or I shouldn't say that. She's just not a big fan. But I'm like, you know, this for me, this is what I watched growing up was Adam Sandler. Dude, so. He made so many bangers. I mean, Big Daddy, we <laughs> don't have to go through him. I mean, even we hidden, know even his. ones that are hidden, like Little Nicky. Like I would watch Dude, Little, Little Nicky again. Great. Yeah, and like that's some that people would probably overlook. Like Big Daddy, I love that movie growing up. I so thought that I. that movie would make me cry watching now because you know I have a niece that's adopted, and you see that connection of like, and you're like, man, that's some true love he's feeling for that kid. But so it's a good Halloween movie. I would suggest it. And I was gonna put I, one thing I really like Adam Sandler. What he does is he gets his homeboys in his movies. All the people that he's cool with. So you know you got. Steve Buscemi, um, Rob Schneider's in it, Kevin James. Uh, I think there's actually seven total, either past or present SNL members. So it's just really cool that he brings yeah. in people like, oh, I think you're funny or you're my friend. Let's make this movie He's together. always taking care of his boys. Yeah, he's and taking like, care he's, of his buddies. And I love the fact that they do that. Tim Meadows is in it, uh, Maya Rudolph. And there's two guys that I don't know their names, but they played the gay couple on Big Daddy. Like there's that – the oh, two guys, those two guys that were in like, I, yeah, those were in all real his, good friends from way back in the day. And they were in Waterboy, and I don't remember that. I don't know their Grandma's names. Grandma's boy. Yeah, I don't know their names, but they were. But they're Adam Sandler's friends, and they probably have. And he's made their nut for him. I mean, for years yeah. on. They generation. probably have a house in Malibu now because yeah. of Adam. Yeah. And I'm cool with that. I don't Sandler get why he gets that. the hate. I, I mean, <clears throat> he's so talented from his albums. From oh, his stand-up his was stand really up good was back good, in the day. Yeah. And then his like comedy albums. Or his like, musical a, comedy albums. he wants albums. to make a serious movie, he makes good serious movies. What was movies. that one? Um, what you need to see, it's on Netflix, is Uncut Gems. Yes. He should have got nominated for an Oscar for that. That was one of my favorite movies of last year. It's the uh, Softy Brothers. Safty. And they made another movie called Good Time with Robert Pattinson. That's another guy who transitioned really well from his Twilight, post-Twilight, because everyone thought he was going to be stereotyped. So if you like just good, gritty, like American movies, I would suggest Good Time and Uncut Gems. Both those movies, and it gives you like such great hope for like their next project, because those are two brothers that I'm not going to get ahead of myself and say they're like the next Coen brothers, but they're at that trajectory. Like the few films they've made are all good and have Oscar considerations. Uh, the last one, what else I watched? I watched this last night because it just came out on Netflix. The Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, yeah. Based on the uh, infamous trial in 1969 when it was seven people and they were all 
They were tried as a conspiracy for crossing state lines to incite a to, to incite a riot because they were at the uh, Chicago Democratic National Convention, and they all had the same purpose. They wanted to end the war, so they came together. But they they made it seem like they were like a terror group organizing together, and they were like, "We've never even met in person. We had phone conversations, but we we're just organizing this." And you know, and it, it's cool because it takes place. A lot of the movie takes place in the courtroom. And then it's – so they're on trial already and then it goes back and tells the story of how they got there, like what events led to it. So I really like this movie. I told I watched it without Claire last night because she went to bed early and I was like, we have to rewatch this. It was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin oh, who wow, yeah. is a really good yeah. filmmaker. He made, he made his way by writing uh, screenplays but now he's directing. He's made a few other and he's, he's phenomenal. He did a great job in the movie. It tells a great story while keeping your attention for all two plus hours. I think it was like two ten. Um, it's got a really fucking stacked, um, cast. I won't go through it, but if you just look up, you know, so it's actually like, Oscar a, winners. like a drama style. It's not a documentary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's total drama. Uh, I put on here, I would recommend it to anyone because I think it would get Oscar considerations this year, but I would highly recommend it if you're a fan of courtroom dramas and love history. And I'm actually a fan of both of those things. So I love it. Go. I thought it was a great movie. The cast and everything, like I said, it was just all together. A plus, you know, it's like if I had a rated to be in the fucking nineties and listening to, honestly, I just listened to high school jams all yeah. week. Once we made this decision to make our Mount Rushmore, I, I dove right back in it and I, I should have slipped on some skinny jeans and flipped my hair over and just put on some etnies or some shit. <laughs> Get a st- studded belt. Uh, chain wallet. All right. Well, that does it. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on this yeah, episode. Yeah, it's, uh, night, we're bro. clocking in at 11.53 p.m. Golly. We're almost into Monday morning. I uh, wanted to watch a documentary after this. Not now. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah. No, nah, but uh, again, if you could give us, uh, if you haven't done it already, a rating and review on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts and iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, if you got any comments or concerns, email us at thedadlabpod at gmail.com. Uh, but for Matt and Andrew, we're out. Andrew.